ITV went to shit, but it feels like it's getting itself together. But rather like Impact, I think it burnt away a lot of its audience. Uh, <laughs> like that's really what it did. It did. There was a lot of TNA booking at that point in that time. They punished for it. BBC, BBC is the incumbents. That's WWF. Yeah. ITV is WCW in the 90s. Channel 4 is ECW. Then you want on the block coming to challenge them with the edgy kind of cool stuff. Channel 5 is Russo era TNA. Came <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, much later. Yeah. You know, load of shit thrown at the wall was never as good. <laughs> What's Sky then? Oh, oh that's good. Cool. New Japan, though. <laughs> I was thinking, is it New Japan? But that's a very grandiose title for Sky. Although I like Brassic. That's a very easy watch. Mm. But, See, um, I'm, I'm not having BBC as the as WWF here because it's quality. Like or yeah. WWE, it's quality BBC. <laughs> like ITV's oh. just throw away bollocks to me. I mean, the NWA full, then. Throw it's away light hearted rubbish. That, it's that, full of wrongans now. It's full of wrongans, isn't it? So you might say it's true. like WWF then. If you take <laughs> the sex thing, like between, like, what did Channel 5 had like? He was ridiculous for like the boobs. Whereas Channel 4, ECW, booking a Euro trash, as Chris says here, that's Heyman booking in there. Bit of wackiness. He mm. will put John Paul Gautier into the mix. What? Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, on that note, uh, <laughs> I forgot we're on the pre-show. We need to uh, we are. get into yeah, uh, Charlie Bush. Now. Get into that's uh, <laughs> best stuff. Get into what uh, what Garrett's pick is. Obviously, we did um, we did the Von Erichs at the weekend where we did Heroes of a uh, World Class. Hopefully, people have uh, enjoyed that. So uh, great to see the uh, the positive feedback. Which I don't know is that a good lead into what uh, what Garrett's going to pick? Does anyone have any guesses? What Garrett's going to pick up the, uh, right. the back of that? Something similar? Something completely wildly different? If I don't it'll be so wildly different. I'm either going World of Sport rewatch after this <laughs> your positive feedback, Benno, or mm. yeah, Mega Powers might be up there, or That's just maybe that, yeah, or like I don't know, or 92 WCW. Like I was shutting about that here, and I don't know. I'm going with them three anyway. Probably well. Oh, I'd enjoy something WCW. Hopefully, we're not, we're not just giving Gareth ideas to change his mind now. <laughs> so I know Gareth, he's got like four in his head that he's, he's been narrowing down today. Do you ben? Yeah, I, I do. Um, my money is on Mania 5. Blue but, Velvet. Um, and the Bills, too. <laughs> but will Gareth surprise us? That's the question. Over to you, Gareth. What are we doing? It sounds like I will. Nobody even got close with the year either. Oh, um, wow. so, uh, And I've had this one locked in in my brain for. Two weeks now, like I threw threw a few different like options around in my in my head, but as soon as I thought of this one, it's been totally locked in. And in the consistent theme of JP picking his show, the Film Club, I'm going to go back to my old show and we'll do a deep cut, and we're going to do a deep cut on Chris Jericho in WCW. Bit different to what you uh, expected there, but someone I've been meaning to just go back and watch like all those uh, segments with the promos, some cracker matches in there with um, with Guerrero and Mysterio and things. Obviously the uh, the stuff with um, um, the Goldberg stuff, but one of my favourite feuds of all time is the uh, Jericho Malenko stuff as well. So um, mm. there you go, lads. In, a bit more Chris Jericho on your TVs. You don't get enough of him these days, do you? I was going to say, yeah, if he wasn't a cunt, I'd be, uh, I'd be more excited. <laughs> it's fascinating. This is absolutely fascinating. Like, just thinking about it so much, and like the first thing that came to mind is like, there's a reason. If you think about the way he debut- debuted in WWF at that point in time, that's mm. all because of this WCW run and the potential that people saw. So to get back mm. and go and see it and go, oh, okay, 
how would this have been coming across if you were just like a regular wrestling fan and go like, this guy's really good, but he's just not being used properly at all. So to go back and kind of revisit that point where he goes past the like cruiserweight championship and he's and he and he hits the glass ceiling. Mm. It was like at that time, like so obviously we'll get into it when we do the show, but it was like the fucking it was like the it was a bit like anti-hero almost. It was about this, mm. it was like this this person who was it felt like he was just going off off the norm you know it was coming from a bit more left field really and what he was doing and it was just a bit more innovative and stood out and things like that and that's kind of like where like to me it's a bit depressing the, the shell of the man <laughs> that he is now but at that time he genuinely genuinely was like the you know one of the coolest alternative wrestlers mm. like coming through and i think the fact that you saw that you went on that journey with him from being generic white meat baby face through to you know through to that moment when he comes out on Raw, like it's uh, mm. you know you've seen that evolution of the the character and personality. Obviously, it's fucking ate his brain alive uh, since then, and uh, everything that's like come after that. But that period for me is just like class. Yeah, it'll be fun to get into. Can't wait. Nice good one. choice, Gareth. I like Very it. Good. I, I mean, you're not you're not selling it there, Benno. I'm not I'm not I'm not believing the sell. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> professional, the professional. Who <laughs> we got? I can't wait. He, he wanted mega powers. <laughs> 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 no, you know, I think just I started watching the build up to mega powers. Four <laughs> 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 uh, five minutes of it. Sorry, yeah, that's <laughs> the intro. That's the intro. Shorter. That's got to be the yeah. one. I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna use some of that in the uh, in yeah. the intro to the show. Should we just get into it, JP? People know who we are. Yeah. I know you're JP. Um, Maria, hit spotlights. Uh, we just uh, just done a 50 minute um, pre-show with uh, with Matty and uh, Gareth, which uh, three uh, listeners will have just heard uh, a little bit of. We'll have heard uh, Gareth making his. Uh, King of the, I say King of the Mountain choice then. Gareth's not a King of the Mountain. <laughs> All the way around, uh, making his um, King of our hearts. Pick uh, of uh, of, uh, of the Chris Jericho uh, deep cut in WCW. So we'll all have to be uh, digging out the uh, the Chris Jericho book. I think I've got one uh, back here somewhere of his uh, of his first book. Got that to look forward to, obviously in the in the can as we talked about there as well. Um, JP's uh, bastards uh, film club. We uh, we did this past weekend. Content groups coming over here uh, at Patreon.com. Oh my god. How do I find you, JP? You're all right. How are you on this? I'm uh, all right. I'm all right. This new intro thing has completely thrown me. I'm JP, just in order to get the catchphrase in there. But yes, no, these the pre-shows are a cracking, you know, listen along for that. If you if you subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash grapple. Um just for the the game show chat in and of itself is is somewhat <laughs> epic on there. The tale of Richard Blackwoods, um, MTV singled out. Uh, like kind of like big into the mix on there. What ra- which station, which British television channel is uh, which wrestling company on that? Which we mm. managed to pretty much nail on there. Apart from your, we'll never agree on the BBCs, but I feel like I'm effectively Apple Gareth turned into there. WWF Gareth, didn't he, or WWE <laughs> Gareth, didn't he, for a bit there. <laughs> That's it. Well, yeah, we've turned into those old men. All we talk about is uh, stuff that happened in the nineties and how old everyone is and how old we are. I think that's, that's literally what great. we're uh, 
<laughs> sadly, uh, the Patreon out. But uh, yeah, hot start. Might as well uh, get right into mm. it, JP. It's been a, a busy week um, of stuff in the uh, in the wrestling world. Billion, uh, billion things to, uh, to talk about. Hence why we've recorded this on a uh, on a Tuesday night. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you're just, uh, as you're saying there, you've seen a bit of New Japan, bit of NXT, even at the weekends. There's uh, mm-hmm. even some notable WWE uh, TV um, happen over the weekend. Not that Matty'd ever see it. Um, AEW, even. Um, should we start today? I know we're dating ourselves a little bit because this is a uh, Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning. If you've, uh, you know, you might have heard us on the uh, on the uh, on the weekend show. I put a, a clip up on the mm. YouTube as well of uh, us talking, uh, or at least our initial thoughts to, to Dynamite last week. And I really want to get into it because I just want to know why you hated Dynamite so much last week, JP. That was uh, that was going to be like, you know, they were doing the clickbait titles on YouTube. That was going to be the yes. clickbait title this week. Why does JP hate? Uh, why did I hate Dynamite, Dynamite so much? <laughs> well, as a result <laughs> of that. You say that I went back and rewatched it. Actually, is what I thought I'd do. Something I, ne- I never do. I, d- yeah, mm. I thought I'll either watch that again or I'll watch Rampage. And then I mm. saw what Rampage was, and I thought, well, no, I'll I'll, I'll have a watch of this. Mm. And in the main, like I think it was probably just thinking of how I watched it. I think the middle bit of it was actually better than I give it credit for. Things like Takeshita versus Brian Cage was was a bit better than like second go round and and Thatcher versus Danielson to be to be honest with you. So yeah. it does fall into the camp of very very good um episodes of episodes of Dynamite but it's not without its faults. It's like I don't want to I dare I say it they found a new and improved Mookie Ball. Haven't they? Yeah. Like yeah. at this point it's relying on three good matches on mm. Dynamite in there, a bit of a claimed, something involving the women's division generally, whether it's like one match and an angle, which is kind of what we got. And then and then we get we get a nonsensical angle that's involving the Jericho Appreciation Society. So it kind of it it did all of those things of ticking those boxes. Mm. I mean, I will stand by the point that. Like I think as as good as this was, I don't think it was necessarily spectacular, but then is weekly episodic TV always going to be spectacular? But it certainly carries on the the very recent, you know, hot streak of of matches mm. of of dynamites, but also having cards that are it's focused around relatively few people. And one of them mm. isn't Action Andretti this week, and that was a good thing. <laughs> See, like my counterpoint was, it was one of the best dynamites of, of all time. But we can get into that. But when I agree with you, I do agree with you. Is that like, yeah, that this kind of formula that they've nailed? Like, you know, we talked a little bit about it. Tony Khan having his uh, getting his, uh, his spreadsheets in a row. Don't know what he did. He said he flipped the columns with the rows or something like that, and everything's been golden um, ever since. In the year, uh, he should be admitting that. Khan. <laughs> he should have just said we made a change and we fucking leave it like and say what was the change you go that's for me to know and you to find out motherfucker <laughs> it almost feels like the conversation that's like that remember that brandon um thurston video where he was like dynamite is good but is it too good and then he spent like like 10 minutes analyzing whether it was too good just to take the piss out of uh, the wwe fans like the uh you know the, the comparison of uh, wwe literally as i would always say not being good in about 20 years or so for the most part but like yeah it's at a point now where like there is a you know uh, we were talking about it on friday i was out went out for a for a drink with uh, Matty crewy and gary and like it came up among among the conversations by the way one of the big conversations that i wish we got it out of Matty then was who was the uh 
biggest star in wrestling history between John Cena and Roman Reigns. Put that poll on Twitter, JP. Roman Reigns won by like, sorry, John Cena won by like 97%. Um, Matty's the one man who won't, uh, who won't stand down on that point of view. Uh, but I think he was, uh, even without Dave Meltzer getting involved, he was uh, very much told by uh, by Twitter on Friday. Uh, but one of the conversations we had, we were talking about like, oh, what's the... Um, you know, the end game of all this, like the TV's been incredible the last while. Pay-per-views, we always go back and forth on like every now and then they nail it. Mostly the pay-per-views can be can be a little bit lacking. It was like, well, what am I looking forward to as a pay-per-view point of view? And you know what? I haven't really thought about it <laughs> this last while because I've just been enjoying the TVs that much. Like, I'm not even sure what the lineup of the pay-per-view will be. Will it be Ricky Starks and Jericho again, I guess? How Man and Mox will probably have their match. Brian and MJF. I'm not so much looking forward to as a match. And it's almost that flip of like in the past, you know, we've had plenty of critique to say about, you know, the TV during the Forbidden Door period. And then the pay-per-view fucking killed it. And it was our pay- both of our pay-per-view of the year. And we had to eat some crow there. The ROH period, you know, where ROH had taken over the TV and then Final Battle happened. And it was one of the best pay-per-views of the year. And that's also happened with the regular AW pay-per-views. I almost think the pay-per-view's got a lot to live up to now. You know, we get to, and we're only, you know, a few weeks away um, mm. from Revolution. Um, I think it's like three and a half weeks, isn't it, away from, from, from the pay-per-view at this point? Like, I'm not even sure how I can live up to like this this hot streak of shows because obviously I'm much, much higher than you on uh, on this week's show, but I almost, I'm close to being willing to say this is the best period of Dynamite TV of all time. Maybe when Punk first came in and we had Punk and Brian both at the same time injecting those great 15-minute TV matches and promo segments mm. and stuff. Maybe I enjoyed it a little more at that point, but yeah, right now I kind of feel like that's the that's the thing, and I'm always wondering, fuck, how can they even how can they top this? I'm sure they will when it comes to uh, to the pay per view, but yeah, it's just been it's been that good. I can I can see what you say. I, I mean, I would my point. Is I don't think this is the best of it because I don't think the stakes have been as substantial as what it's been in the past. So things like MJF Punk felt like that's kind of genuine must see TV. That's you know, people who are interacting who haven't interacted before. And I don't think there's there's relatively little of that here. It's just that there's more focus on the performers. In terms of the pay-per-view, if they've learned the, the idea of less is more and you want to have, because there's more of a focus on several people where you've got going into it some some hot matches, it feels like there's going to be a few rematches. I'm kind of expecting the gun club to win the tag belts and Billy mm. Gunn to turn heel just for the mm. acclaimed to then win the titles back at the pay-per-view, just sort of setting it up and maybe doing it as some sort of in a cage to stop Billy Gunn interfering or something along those lines. You can see it kind of them doing something like that. Mm. It's what it is a case of what is it building to? Because you also need that. That's part of good wrestling television is that you build to big shows that you want a big finale and a big crescendo to angles. Mm. And at the moment, like you're wondering, I still wonder, okay, What's happening with the women's division? Who is Jamie Hayter going to be facing at the pay-per-view? Because mm. is it going to be a tag? You know, she's there's regulation matches against the Bunny and things like that, but I could give less of a shit. But really, what is the match that we're building to that we kind of want to see more of the angle building towards it? If we're honest, it's going to be mm. Britt Baker versus Jamie Hayter above all else. But instead, mm. is it going to be Soraya versus Jamie it's Hayter? You know, I think some kind th- of multi-woman, though. I think that's probably where we're headed, isn't it? Some kind of multi-woman match. Mm, yeah, I just don't like it. Club versus Millionaires Club. I, I don't like that. I'm fine with the blood and guts, 
I think like mm. that's definitely like a where it should be going to. But mm. ultimately, I don't know really like kind of I have a funny feeling they might end up doing that with the elite versus Blackpool Combat Club at some point or something along those lines. So like mm. I, it's enjoyable TV. The matches are excellent. You can't mm. really get away from it. And this this week's is an example of it. And the better production values have made this a better show. It just feels like mm. a lot tighter, a lot tighter backstage. Even things like the kind of inserts building Darby Allen versus Samoa Joe, mm. fucking great. Mm. Like that's the kind of stuff that if you're building TV, and it might have, you know, in the ratings, there was a little bit of a response because I think people might well have seen that earlier and thought, well, I'll jump back and make sure I watch that. Mm. I, I, it's weird. Like I've been, I've been absolutely loving it, and I think a part of it is the fact that. Like I say, you mentioned the Tony Khan thing with the with the spreadsheet and, and mixing things up in the way he delivers things. I think Tony Khan has been to a fault, you know, even even being Tony Khan, and bear in mind I know who I'm talking about when I say this, but he could actually be conservative at times. Like obviously there's the opposite side of Tony Khan where he'll just, you know, piss fucking everything onto his show and everyone's got a segment and that all complaints of, oh, there's too many people on screen and all that stuff. And there's been shows where absolutely too much is too much has been happening. But I think that while that was definitely true in points, there was also the put there was also points where like he just wasn't pulling the trigger on big stuff, you know, as far as your big stars facing your big stars. How many big Cody matches did we did we miss out on? How many big punk matches does it now look like we missed out on? You know, we always when it came to the big tippy top stuff, waiting for a day that never came. And, you know, as far as like guys at, you know, certain levels of the cards meeting each other regularly on like dynamite, it's kind of, you know, we did, we didn't see, it didn't seem like we were getting that. And it's almost like he's flipped that on his head. Cause like you say that the hangman Moxley thing, you know, yeah, we're seeing those matches on free TV at this point. Um, mm. And they're killing it. And if anything, the building to what I presume will be a bigger pay-per-view match, how you raise the stakes on the great stuff they've already done already. I don't know, but I'm looking forward to, to kind of finding out. Darby Allen and Joe, like, let's just look at that as a segment of TV over the last while. Like, you know, we got up, we talked on the, you know, I think Matty got in all our brains, but when we when we did the, you know, the year-end awards. We were almost laughing at Joe. Like the first Derby match had happened, and we did all love it. But it was all—it was a bit like, yeah, but you know, you know, Joe had been a bit out of shape, and you know, it was starting to look like mm, maybe not not time to put him out out to pasture. But it was like, yeah, I don't know what you know what he's kind of got left, you know, in the tank. And then we've seen since then what he's got left in the tank is two more, you know, match of the year caliber matches with Derby Allen. But that's all happened in the space of like. Six weeks, you know, maybe seven mm. weeks, I think it is total for that entire story to take place. So I think that's what's changed. I think Tony Khan's approach is just, you know, kind of flipped on its on its head a little bit. And, you know, we've had that, you know, taking advantage of the fact that, you know, I think Joe and Wardlow, for example, was always the end destination. He kind of always wants to get back to that. But while Wardlow was out injured, you know, what can we do with this this TV time where we've got these five or six weeks? And to be honest, it reminded me a little bit going in the past of Eddie Kingston and Punk, where Punk just had a spare month. So Punk got put up mm. with Eddie Kingston and ended up having, for me and my money, one of the best matches and feuds of the year in that little month where he had some space. He made use of that space and made use of Derby. And I think there's just there's something about the way he's plotting things out. Like you said, he's like, as well as, you know, maybe releasing, you know, more banger stuff than you, you might have, have expected them to. He's also kind of pinpointed, okay, who are my main guys? It's 
it's it's Adam Page and John Moxley. They need to be, you know, doing something and they need to be prominent on the TV. Darby Allen needs to be prominent on the TV again. Check for that one. Ricky Starks needs to have a prominent spot. Do we do we love everything, every facet of the Jericho story? No. I'm a question a little bit why he's chasing Jericho and not the other way around when he's already beat him. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But it's focused, you know, for Ricky Starks on TV. The acclaimed, like you say. It feels like Tony Khan gets his booking sheet out and it's like, okay, what have I got for the acclaim this week? They are factored in. And I think, yes, you end up with like some acts like House of Black, for example, who've just exclusively become a Rampage act, it feels like at this point. And there are other people you can name, Eddie Kingston being a big one, who's kind of disappeared from TV and being a victim of it. But I can't argue against the success of, you know, Picking your battles and picking, yes, this is a monster roster, but who do I need to focus on? It's Brian, it's Takeshita, even, you know, he's massively warmed up Kesha this past week with the uh, with the win over Cage and obviously the, the big match on it on Dynamite and the, the MJF stuff with him. Like, there's just there's a renewed focus, it's felt like, and you add on to that great matches. And I acknowledge what I'm saying because, like, how many times have I said, you know, the booking has been a bit ropey, you know, as far as like. The, the, the way timeout shows or the way that you know maybe a lot of things would happen on shows with not much time to sink in or like the forbidden door period where you know again the, the tv was ropey leading in but we got great matches you know of course we're going to get great matches it's the you know they got he's got a group of some of the best wrestlers in the world on the contract right now but on top of that i feel like on top of the matches it feels focused it feels like he's focusing on the right people and it's just that right balance of of story and great matches. Like, there's just something about this formula that's just working really well for me over these last seven weeks. It is. And do you know what they did with Joe? They effectively went, what's the kind of Joe that we really like? What's the Joe that we're going to kind of go for? And yeah. they went for Joe in the TNAX division. It felt like what they <laughs> yeah. did. So who's the kind of opponent that works perfectly for that? Darby Allen, like you say. It kind of, it's one of the things that, they don't often write into it as much, but they're kind of snake bitten with injury. It happens quite often. There's a lot of people who end up out for a couple of weeks and it feels like it kind of disturbs it. It is. I kind of will still remain cautious when I see what the final card is for the pay-per-view. If there's a lot of stuff that feels like it's been rushed on in the last couple of weeks and we start seeing inexplicable kind of, I don't know, six, like a house of black, match on the pre-show and stuff like that you'll go well there's still the kind of issue of like we should be going to Swerve Strickland Keith Lee for example and I know you can't fit everyone onto there but he he's someone who should, needs to be on kind of dynamite mm. like I think there's I think he will be going forward I, I think is, they're, they're building mm. something with him oh yeah they have and they've given him his own stable which is mm. which is weird actually the stable mm. I'm like Trench I don't know what to make of him to be honest with you I'm fascinated <laughs> him when he works state of him as well <laughs> absolutely <laughs> look at the state of him like, he's been the Jim Rose circus honestly is, is where he should be but that can't be swear of choice by the way there's no way he was like give me them two guys like there's no. just no way no I think he was like I think who is he, he was trained by someone I read who's like connected to like I think when Jay Lethal he's one of Jay mm. Lethal's trainees in there mm. but I think at the moment it is like there is much more of a logic of okay once MJF beats Danielson which is kind of what I'm expecting then we've got mm. Takeshita who he can have as a kind of one of those interim defences mm. you know and I've heard people say it wouldn't be that surprised to see Takeshita get a win Mm. over MJF because it's it's non-title. And it makes you kind of wonder, it might be wanting to put that kind of element of doubt into there. 
as to whether or not he can he can do it. But it's it is better for being focused. But then there's people who you also want to see, and I think it's on the single side. I want to mm. see more like Alistair Black as a singles looking to win singles titles and going mm. for that. Because there's one of the things I kind of despaired was seeing the skit with the elite and the mm. firm during all of this. Cause I was just like, cause this telly as good as it is, it could be better. There are elements to improve. And I know that's like kind of hitting it, but I almost think this is the time they need to be kind of motoring because of the TV deals and everything else. They need to be getting this stuff right. And it's really good that they have kind of solved a problem of what makes a better show. And I think the hiring of Mike Mansory as well should not be understated for how good it is. Because I think from a production standpoint, it just looks and sounds and feels a lot better. Yeah. It, it, feel, it feels a lot for me like some of the peak areas of like classic ROH. So like when ROH was great, and trust me, we'll be talking some more about that maybe later this month in Dealer's Choice, maybe, possibly, if I don't change my mind. Um, but like, you know, there were periods where, and it was forced because of wrestling availability. So there'd be like a period where Brian was just intensely on all of the ROH shows, and then there'd be periods where he'd fucked off to do All Star, or he was doing other stuff. Or there'd be periods where they're saying that there was lots of periods where there was a lot of the Briscoes. But you know what I mean? And there was like, you know, there was a little little parts of time where you know there was a big, let's say, homicide and Brian story going on. There'd be like four, maybe four, maybe three, maybe even five at points main stories going on in like a six to eight to maybe 12 week window where like, you know, we'd have these big batches between these individual feuds to homicide and Brian, you know, ended up having like a best of six or seven series, which feels a bit like, you know, the books and, uh, and death triangle stuff. And then you'd also have like, let's say, you know, Jimmy Raven, CM Punk having their feud, you know, the timeline slightly off, but you know what I mean? That'd be going on and they'd be having their little matches week, week to week. And then you'd have to refresh it, you know, cause it'd come a point where, you know, wrestler availability, somebody was off doing something else. Like I say, Brian was always the best example of that, or like a James Gibson who they only had for a short period of the time, or when the TNA guys were, were coming in and out. But it almost felt like you had these distinctive windows. And I think that's what the way we're going with, with AEW, because it's been so good these last few weeks, as we've kind of both said, even if maybe we differ a little bit on, you know, the high praise of this last week, where we 100% agree is it is that focus that makes things better. But there is going to come a point, you know, and maybe this period will, this is just the period we're in going into the paper, the next pay-per-view. Maybe all the pay-per-view windows will be like this because then there's the challenge of, okay, now I need to bleed, you know, and they've already started to do it. Adam Cole back into things, you know, in a, in a bit more of a, a serious way. Miro's the, the big hope is there. People say in the, the chat there, I don't know if that one's happening. But, you know, there's going to come a point, you know, Phoenix and Pentagon have been having a bit of a breather, haven't they? And they're mm-hmm. better off for it. Um, you know, I would like to see Phoenix come back you know, with a little bit of a bit of emphasis, and then you've got to bleed him in. Your two, I wouldn't say boo boys, but you know, Garcia and Wheeler used to have had kind of their periods where they're prominent parts of the show. They'll probably bleed back into to being a prominent part of the show. I think if he can manage it and if he can balance this big cast of characters, like this is kind of what I want going forward. I agree with you. You know, I don't necessarily want to see the uh, the elite slumming it up with the, the types of guys they're slumming it up with at the minute. I would like to see, say, Kenny slotted into you know that that spot right now where we've got Moxley and you know and uh, and Hangman going back and forth every week in like the the one B feud to Brian and MJF's one A feud. Mm. Maybe that's where I'd like to see Kenny in the next run 
but I'm willing to give that time. I'm willing this, you know, let's get to the end of this pay-per-view cycle. Maybe the Bucks will lose the six-man, and can you lose the six-man titles by then? And then you've got to start again. Maybe FTR come back in, speaking of characters, you've mm-hmm. got to uh, bleed back into the TV. Like, maybe we'll get that then. And I'm almost ex- willing to take that over forcing, you know, uh, Kenny Omega A pro- program right now, because where would you put it on Dynamite right now? You know, an, an Adam Cole prom- program, I think you'd get away with because it'll just be promos leading to a match. But you know what I mean? If they try and shoehorn in another mm. 1A program into what they've got right now, I don't necessarily think they have the time, you know, if we're not counting Rampage's time, you know, in, in those two hours of Dynamite. Well, we should be counting Rampage as part mm. of that time. And that's really a bigger part of the problem. It's gone. Well, the thing we've learned, and especially the numbers this week were terrible, just over 400,000, and it was like mm. kind of well down. But mm. the thing is there to be learned is, I was thinking, well, why is it down? Because they have put stars on there. What mm. it, it, You'll get the odd bump, there'll be the odd match, but there's nothing of consequence because they don't use that hour, and they could mm. be using it. They could be using it a lot better. They tend to use it for what feel like B-feuds that aren't going to appear on a pay-per-view, whereas there's stuff that they could be building slow burn that could but go wouldn't on we, today. To that point, wouldn't we be sat here on this podcast going, you know, the, the big development in, let's say, the Swerve Strickland story or whatever he goes to happens on Rampage and not Dynamite? Wouldn't we be like, shouldn't that have happened on Dynamite? Because I think that's the thing with that Rampage. Should. It's cards are marked, I feel like, with Rampage. It's, it's lesser than, and things that happen on Rampage it, feel lesser than. I don't know if you can fix that. It's a, I don't know whether or not they can fix it, but they can certainly try. Because that's one of the mm. things. I think at the moment, it's just like, okay, we're putting on a show on a Wednesday and we're going to have four extra matches. Here are the big stars who we're not having unfeatured spots on Dynamite. We're going to have them here. We're gonna, but mm. generally, the matches aren't substantial and there isn't really a lot of stuff that kind of feels like it's building towards it. Because, And I think the problem with Rampage is, is, is this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't put important stuff on it beyond CM Punk's debut, our mm. people aren't going to tune in. So is there a point where you do put stuff on it and you go, on Rampage, this happened? Mm. And just to do that, and it's a case of trying to re-educate your audience that actually things can happen on there. It doesn't Mm. need to be two matches, which are generally quite good, with a couple of squashes in the middle. I don't Mm. know what purpose that serves. So they have this extra hour of TV time. I don't. They don't use that better. And that's Mm. the thing they could be doing and really cross-pollinating and effectively just doing a hard sell of... We are building this stuff. We have a limited amount of TV time, but the time they're using on Dynamite is good. The time they use on Rampage isn't as good. I suppose that the question is though, if there's going to be only let's say because what's the range of, of Rampage? You know, we obviously the eighteen forty nine is one thing, but even if just purely looking at it from mm. total viewers' point of view, what is it four hundred to five hundred thousands? Like even if it's in that upper range of what it can possibly do. It's like the you know it blows my mind. You think back now, the Punk's debut in AW happened on Rampage at ten o'clock on a Friday. Yeah. Like, and I know that's a good example of the type of thing thing you're saying. But if something of that level of consequence happened, I almost wouldn't want it to happen on Rampage because it's happen happening in front of half the potential audience. Like I say, that's where I get into the Rampage cards are marked. I almost think my counter would. I think I like the idea of just putting the big you know the big stars. Moxie isn't doing it on Dynamite. He has a match on Rampage. The Bucks and Kenny didn't love the match they had on Rampage this week, but in principle, the idea of, well, they're not doing mm. anything else. Maybe they should be doing something else, but if they're not, give them a match on Rampage to try and help the, help the number. That didn't help the number. 
Um, I don't know. Is that a, is that to my argument? Is that to your argument? Is that because it wasn't consequential? Um, that just tells me there's an upper limit, all right? Because that's that's three of their biggest stars. I think you look at a match like that. It's like how badly do you want to see them? Mm. You know they'll win. You know they'll win, and it'll be like ten minutes. Will it be as good as the Penta and Phoenix matches? No. Mm. So, like sort of the Death Triangle matches, I should say. So I don't think it it, it will do. It's just that. Part of the problem is, is they have of the real estate of television. They've only got three hours, mm. and it's very hard to say the hand on heart they use those three hours well. It's their job to make Rampage must see, mm. or they can let it die on the vine and just go. Well, there's, there's an upper limit for it. This is what it is, or they can mm. actually try and do something about it where you're putting at least having what I feel like consequential storyline development onto it, which mm. is something that isn't really isn't really there. And isn't used as isn't used as well, but this may be like I think at the end of this pay per view cycle, the one that builds to double or nothing is going to be really really big. I think mm. that's going to be really important because if you're thinking as well at that point in time, aren't they supposed to be appearing in London? Mm. But I'm not going to hold my fucking breath. The UK, London, the UK, big button. <laughs> we assume yeah. that's what we've heard April time, haven't we? But I, I think that's slipped now. I think that if that was happening, we'd know already. Um, it's February now. But you know what I mean? Like, there's no way. Yeah, and they're doing those mini, those like kind of boutique house shows mm. in what the end of in in March the 18th. Can't think of anything else wrestling wise that's happening on the same day that certainly wouldn't be using John Moxley in any capacity. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. But it is it is a case where, like, you know, that's going to be a really big time for them. And there's a there's a chance where, like, they have these ranking systems, mm. which are kind of on the wayside. I don't think you're necessarily disappointed about it going. But for me, what they were no. never used for was to create interesting undercard matches for pay-per-views that still had stakes for them, even if you hadn't put a storyline on TV. The number nine ranked in powerhouse Hobbs versus the number three ranked Adam Cole, uh, mm. for whoever like, and at least say, well, there's circumstances for this because powerhouse Hobbs wins. He goes right up those rankings, you know, in the way that a UFC would do it or in boxing. We don't get that. We yeah, still they don't. Nah, they never did. Starks versus Jericho should really be a match about whoever wins. This is going to be wanting to be in like a title eliminator to be able to mm. get another title shot in there. But mm. instead, what we're doing is fucking gauntlets. We've got two gauntlet stories going on at the same time. We have to beat all of these people. <laughs> he loves a good gauntlet or a good uh, tournament, doesn't he, Tony? Yeah, like, I, I, I do see where you're coming from, but I just don't really see Rampage as an A concern. Um, mm. Maybe it is an A concern if, you, like you say, TV rights negotiations are coming up later in the year. You know, you want it to be as strong as possible. I guess maybe where I disagree is I just, I think as strong as possible, Rampage is still 500,000 viewers, maybe 600 if you if you massively push it, maybe a slightly better demo number. Still 10 o'clock on a Friday, you know, it, mm. it kind of still is going to be going to be what it is. But yeah, um, I think for, for me, I mean, I'll, you know, I, I'm bullish on it. I think for me, maybe it's the fact that I watch Rampage every weekend. You know, I throw it on and I have a good enough time watching it. Um, you know, this week aside, <laughs> I thought this week was a, a pretty, pretty weak Rampage. It's like bonus viewing. It's like I always think with Rampage, if it was on, and this is where I, why I think I think there's a great argument for for ROH um, to come. Um, you know, after after uh, after Dynamite, when I have like when there's a killer Dynamite, like. You know, I thought there was this last week at three in the morning, UK time. I'm still happy 
to be like, you know, at three in the morning and be like, oh, I'll take another hour of wrestling now. Like, that's when my appetite is at its peak for mm. it. I wouldn't turn it into three hour raw, but like, if Rampage, if I could, if I, had the, if I could pay Fighter Fiverr and they could let me watch Rampage, then that's the perfect mm. time because it'd be a great come down from Dynamite. Nice little extra hour of stuff that is separate from the main show, but is its own distinct thing. Like, I almost think that's, you know, that's where you want to put ROH. Um, you know, if, if, if Slap, when's, if and when Slap Bite finally gets, Gets taken off the air, you know. Maybe, maybe use that route. Maybe that's a, yeah. you know, a, a, something you could uh, you could absolutely do. But yeah, for me, Rampage is it's just bonus viewing. And for me, as long as the main two hours are as good as they are, I'm not that asked. Um, and I think you know, I, I understand your argument. They're not using you know the three hours as as best they can. But I think right now, I do think they're using using the um, the two hours as uh, as mm. best they can. I mean, I'll go through some uh, some of like the highlights uh, from this week. I'll go into it in too much detail, given it uh, it's Tuesday um, night at this point, and a lot of people will be listening to to this on a on a Wednesday slash Thursday morning. I, I always presume there's a lot of um, British listeners who who only get round to uh, to listen to us on Thursday morning and don't bother watching uh, Dynamite until a, until a Thursday night. So I still think it's worthwhile kind of mentioning some of the highlights. But yeah, I just think this week's Dynamite's to, to what I'm talking about is probably, you know, the best example of that modern mucky ball. You, know, you start with, you know, something as hot as Moxley and Hangman. Like, I'm loving everything about that feud right now. Um, you know, you can have that. I think this is the balance of running a, a weekly wrestling TV show when there's only four four pay-per-views a year. You know, you still want to fill the TV with, with major stuff. You can, you know, you can have your MJF and Brian feud where... You know, you have you know these angles and Brian Gauntlet matches that are kind of going on that are building that one, and then you know the time that MJF and Brian actually meet is going to be on the pay per view, and then you can have Hangman, you can have Hangman and John Moxley where we're just getting lots of matches with them. Like I'd take another, pro- I think this feud's got at least another two matches in it, like using the you know the, the finish I thought was really clever from this week's Dynamite where they didn't you know outright uh, have like a a conclusive win. It was kind of a it was a roll up from Moxley. It was Bret Hart and Diesel. Um, you know, it wasn't a it, it wasn't really satisfactory for either person. It was like the uh, the alternative universe version of like a WWE, you know, distraction finish or a bullshit finish that they'll do on their TV because they want to save something, you know, for later on in the big pay-per-view. I thought it was really smart to go that way because then I want to see them fight again. I wanted to see them have like some other kind of stipulation match, maybe on TV, and then the ultimate, ultimate stipulation match happens, you know, at the pay-per-view. So I'm absolutely loving that stuff right now you know we, we said there it was a, a show of, of three matches to Kester and Brian Cage was all right you know as a match that uh that existed um as a, as a many of Brian Cage's matches but from a booking point of view to talk about you know that progression and as far as you know getting people over to Kester who's been on the losing end far too much for as much of a highlight as he's been on AWTV when he's been there, you know, solid booking putting him up. But, you know, the second of that threesome, you know, Danielson and, and Tim Thatcher, you know, I absolutely love that in the middle of the card. And, you know, mm-hmm. Tim Thatcher, for me, I, I said that on Twitter, whisper it, he's what people pretend William Regal is. Um, I say that in massive jest, really. Um, it probably would surprise people to know, you know, considering how much I hate Regal, that I do enjoy Tim Thatcher. Um, Part of it's probably be you know being in Germany and getting swept up by those crowds and maybe you know seeing Tim Thatcher be this this great baby face that he that he's been that we've seen or seeing him you know firsthand against Walter in, in in progress and having those those killer matches. He's very much a live event wrestler in a lot of ways, but I do think he hmm. he translated 
know, I, ne- I was never a fan of them in Evolve, don't get me wrong, and I think that's where a lot of the hate comes from, but I very much enjoyed them on NXT. I, I think he had a good run on NXT against odds. I didn't expect him to, but he, he did, and I enjoyed the stuff with Riddle and, you know, the fight pit stuff and, and all of that, and I think he could do a role in AW. I'll be wary of bringing more wrestlers into that, that part we mentioned earlier, but, you know, I thought he was great here in with Danielson. I know it was just a very different match from that first match when you talk, you know, talk about you know how Man Page and, and Moxie was very much just a hard hit and they're basically trying to knock each other out, blood feud, trying to kill each other match. This was very different. It was Thatcher scientifically trying to take over uh, Brian's arm in between pulling, you know, porno faces to the camera, uh, which is one thing he picked up at NXT that I'm not a huge fan of. But you know, it was yeah, he definitely reached was, the vinegar strokes, hadn't he? <laughs> yeah, if if this was. You know, the if this was a dynamite with like, I don't know, a Hardy family office opener and a and a dark order made event, um, and this was the only substantive singles match on the show, I might go, uh, I'm not sure about it. But on a show where you had, you know, a match of that style in, in Hangman and Moxley on the show, and a show where you have a match at the other extreme that I'm about to mention, Joe and Darby at the other end of the show, I think there's space to have a nice little, you know, 10, 15 minute match like this where they do get to you know, go out and as uh, as Chris Hero, you know, used to do on a on many an indie show, I used to go just kind of, you know, do a match for himself. You know, basically just get in the ring and have himself a little wank and we'd all, uh, we'd all clap along like, you know, the Mike Quackenbush. Uh, not literally, back, you know. I might add. No, uh, well, well, not with, uh, not with, uh, not with Hero at least. But um, yeah, I think, you know, th- there is a space for, you know, a, a very different type of match, which is, which is what this was. And, you know, I can mm-hmm. go into to Derby and, and Joe in a minute as well, but you give me a dynamite with those three pillars as, as strong as they are. And we can get into the dynamite card coming up this week, which looks like it might have a, a couple of uh, very strong matches in itself. I'm always going to be very happy. Yeah. And on rewatch, I think I appreciated the fact that it was the, the storyline of Thatcher being the idea of him being having this next match against Danielson was that he was going to hurt his shoulder that Brian Cage had injured the week before. So he was going to wear him down and he was going to be the one to rip him to pieces because he's a, a, a technical master. And it kind of worked. And it was clearly part of that sort of Noah cooperation agreement they've got. You've got this kind of weird world with New Japan and Noah very much like kind of working together as well. So it's it, absolutely fascinating. And I think the match was, I mean, I went three and a half stars on it, but it's kind of what it should be. It was like a really good, it was basically Danielson being out-wrestled by someone because he's carrying an injury. And I Mm. thought that was, in and of itself, that's a good enough storyline to tell within Mm. this, and it worked fine for it um, as well. So I think, yeah, on rewatch, watching those matches, I thought, well, maybe I was just like, I don't know, in a bloody grump, rather like I was (laughs) a second ago because I was really busting for a wee. So (laughs) that problem solved, so... I think that's why I went on the model. Like, you're, you're letting the secrets out that only the other patrons know. Um, <laughs> they also know about my dodgy camera tonight. I don't know what's going on with it, but I'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, what, what did you make of Darby and Joe on rewatch? Um, as a I, match, like, I think five stars is strong. I've seen people throw that out. No. Four off, I don't think is though. Like, I think I think that's where I'd land on it. Um, at this, but do you think it was the best of the three? I think it was because it was like the most spectacular, but also a lot more definitive. It was just, it was kind of, it's it's styles makes fights and these two work absolutely perfect. Much in the same way, I think Darby Allen against anyone bigger works brilliantly 
because he's willing to do whatever and kind of kill himself at the same time. But he was like, absolutely be careful. I think yeah. you know, with the I am Mister Samoa Joe. Don't get me wrong. One of my he's you know he's behind me there next to Sting on me on me display in multiple places. One of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I want this Joe Renaissance to be true. The promos are incredible. The character work is incredible. Let's see him do it away from Derby now going forward. Because yeah. uh, I think I think these matches are like 70, 70% Derby, 30 Joe. But maybe mm. it'll bring something out of Joe as it has in these three unbelievable matches going forward. I'm hopeful we get more of this Joe, you know, going forward. But, you know, I think, yeah, like I say, Styles makes fights and a lot of it is... From the warped mind of a uh, of Darby Allen, as I as I told you the other oh. day, consider, you know he he clearly he literally I I'd made the joke he'd watched the Necro Butcher match and wanted to do one himself. That is actually true. He really did. He told Bryce Bremsberg he watched the Necro Butcher match and was like, I want to do something like that with Joe. I want to bring that Samoa Joe back. Um, Without knowing that Bryce Remsburg was the referee of that match as well. <laughs> amazing, what a fact! You know, and, and Bryce did Lord. all three of these matches, which I love. Oh. Um, yeah, let let's see what happens before I'm willing to you know say it's. Mm. it's 2005 all over again or 2006 all over again whatever you peak Joe year it is can Joe do it on a wet Wednesday night or on a dynamite away in Stoke that's the question that we haven't had answered really (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah I I love this this match was just like just the the violence of it just the creativity of it some of it didn't come off you know the 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 hood with the the thumbtacks in you know it felt yeah. bad for it we've all had that moment haven't we in the morning when you're trying to like get a you know you're in a rush trying to get out the door and you're trying to get a jumper on like the sleeves inside out and you're struggling with it he had that he had that literal moment but in front of like a million people on tv um <laughs> tried to try to get that back on but that aside yeah you know the the, the finish onto the you know the wooden planks took a little yeah. bit of a while to set up also that was great you know the dive that busted Joe up into the uh into the table at the start of the match yeah. you know that to be honest that it took it taken Derby so long to set up the ring paid off because then he missed you know they, they played that into the story you know Joe managed to wipe the blood out of his face and, and move out the way there were lots of great little creative spots to the point where to be honest the most violent thing in the match almost felt like when joe put the hood over darby's face and then darby was literally digging into joe's eyes that was one that didn't you know i'm sure wasn't uh wasn't hurting anybody um but was felt as violent as everything else it just felt intense and it felt like a perfect match of uh of two people it was you know joe bringing out the killer and himself and even going up on the stairs you know and bringing back memories of uh of his, uh, his match with uh, with stinger uh, until you know um bring bring in uh, bring back memories of those great days and darby you know willing to put his body on the line like necro mm. which he did all those years ago to 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 make joe look as good as he did it is just the the perfect matchup yeah, i'd say i think it's the best of the three i go four and a half on it and maybe 4.25 and on the second one four and a half on the close enough on the first one but yeah you know probably a splitting hairs at that point just just a great brittle main event story um that we've had over these last weeks the only the only negative being uh, i almost felt like they should have let it breathe at the end like i would have liked it to just be definitive that felt a little bit of the old tony khan sneaking in you know we've got mm. 30 seconds of tv time out get fucking wardlow out and then i'm having power up power bombs from students over the top rope which got missed on the tbs broadcast unfortunately apparently the uh they went off the screen with them literally mid power bomb on one of the uh, one of the kids. Um, but I get it. They had more of those coming back and they wanna, you know, strap the rocket to, to that story and get that ready for the pay-per-view coming mm. up. Or, you know, yeah. So it was hugely memorable matches and moments go on dynamite. That's one but I think we're gonna be talking about for a long time. I think so. And you know, overall, what has this feud kind of achieved? It's kept Darby Allen relevant. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not fans of hot shot and tiles. We've got massive issues with with that. Obviously, it's made Joe feel. I think you hot shot this one. Sorry, I think, you'd hot, I think you can hot shot this belt. I think that's okay. I think we've always said that about the TNT. I, I yeah, I definitely think Derby could have had it for longer. But with that said, if this is the belt that switches, you know, four or five, even six, seven times a year, and the world title stays on one man permanently, yeah. I think that balance is okay. And should switch on TV. Like, you mm. should be able to do that. I don't have an issue with this in terms of a back and forward because I think the, the feud itself worked so well. And like I say, brought out something extra in Joe on the promos and in the match as well. Like, he did seem more motivated. Mm. It gets to the Wardlow stuff. That's where the money is. And you want to have that being nicely heated up. Now, I would do Joe not wanting to get into any physical confrontations with Wardlow at all and finding ways of, like, kind of avoiding that or keeping him at a distance. But that should be the kind, like, if heated up the right way, that's the kind of great stuff that you want third, fourth on your pay-per-view, getting into the mix for that. So, yeah, I I, I went four stars for this one on the app, which feels, like, very, very harsh. It's averaging at 4.32, which is, like, really big. In a week, I have to say, where there are lots and lots of very good matches. I mean, you'd have to say, as far as TV wrestling goes... The one that you can't argue about, Dynamite, is that we are spoiled. <laughs> we are really, really spoiled for good actual wrestling that takes place of different varieties on Dynamite. And this is the kind of case in point. I just wish it had been seen by more people. It's like, um, I think I saw, I saw Suit say it on Twitter this week, name a, I mean, can we name another wrestling TV product that's been this good? Like is that hype? Is that hyperbole? I almost said hyperbole. I'm one of those words you read and then I never say. Is that hyperbole to say that? Like that? Like no. Because when was Nitro this good for you know a long stretch like this? We remember it being that good, but was it? I suppose it's a, there's something of a comparison there. Raw had its hot streaks, but I mean, if you just looked at it from a pure in ring point of view, is there any competition? Like any? No. Um, no. There's, there's not. I think. From like you know just a hot streak and a you know, storyline period, you know NWO era WCW with the you know the cruiserweight underneath and you know all the stuff everyone always says about those nitros that we might say and um, when we record uh, our show this week with Gareth, but you know there's that and there's the, like say the hot Austin peak, you know 1997 is always our, our go to, isn't yeah. it? As far as like WWE TV, the 2000 period and stuff like that, but purely in ring matches, you know with a with a capital M and a capital S, like is there a is there a comparison? I'm not sure there is. I don't know. Just having a think about it, because even even during the pandemic period, they had some good matches on there. And even when they were doing it at QT Marshall's training school, for God's sakes, like it felt like there was there was decent stuff on there. Once it had hit, once we'd gone past that dark order angle, it felt like obviously the like they've been better in terms of it as a as a wrestling as the consistency of a wrestling TV product. There's nothing more consistent than this. The other programs, what you would say with the, the high points of Dynamite haven't hit yeah. the high points of a Nitro or a Raw. That's yeah. where it is. But in terms of consistency, wrestling, and an overall feeling of a product that's worth investing in, Dynamite has been has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. 
what do you think of the card coming up this week? Uh, so uh, tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday night, feel free to uh, skip head listeners if you've uh, you've already seen it at this point. But uh, quickly uh, for our live uh, viewers and for those listening tomorrow morning, Jamie Hater versus the the Bunny uh, is on the show. Not a great start. Roosh versus Brian Danielson. More into the uh, the business end of things. The Elite versus Top Flight and uh, an AR Fox. I've warmed on that match. Definitely comp- co- compare and contrast that to what they did on Rampage. I'll take that. I'll take this every day. You know they're going to go out there wanting to kill it. I can imagine that being either the uh, probably not the closer, but probably the uh, the opener of the show. Uh, acclaimed versus the Guns, so we're going to get the uh, the payoff to whatever's going on there. My prediction is uh, for the bet on Paddy Power is that uh, Billy Gunn rejoins his sons, um, which you know as much as he's added to the acclaimed act might be a good shout in the long run. Mm. And uh, and MJF versus Takeshita, who obviously MJF seems to have taken. You can almost tell with MJF when it, when he's on Twitter when he's like the certain people when he goes after them like he has been going after Takeshita for a while with the take a shitter um, stuff which is <laughs> similar to maybe how I used to pronounce his name on uh, on these podcasts. Um, you can tell he's doing it with love though, and he, you know he wants to to get to get the lad over and, and do stuff with him, even though you might not yeah. expect him to be an uh, an MJF style wrestler. Don't think that's as good a card as uh, the week before, but that's strong dynamite card, you know I think. I think very strong, strong dynamite card. I mean, kind of think of the the acclaimed and the guns I'd expect to main event as it kind of should yeah. do because that would then suggest yeah, we're going to yeah. get a big, big show closing angle. I mm. think that's kind of the perfect place for, to have that. And again, I wouldn't be surprised to see the tag belts go across, but mm. at least there's a follow on for like a, mm. you know, Jamie Hayter versus the Bunny will probably end up going far too long. But really, it's a vehicle to have Soraya and Tony Storm turn up or do something with Britt Baker. You know, that's really why it's there. What they do with that is the kind of big, you know, would actually make that substantial. Roosh being you, which which Roosh are we going to be getting? That's what I want to know. Because if there is a wrestler who isn't mad on a wet Wednesday night doing Dynamite away in Stoke, it would be Roosh. Mm-hmm. Very much Rouge, like, mm-hmm. but it's Danielson. It's big TV. He'll probably mm-hmm. want to make a, a bit more of an impression. But again, another one of these wrestlers who are kind of there and about, but you're not not really doing anything with it. But I mean, I think mm-hmm. overall, these are good television cards. And mm-hmm. if you think of it as an overall live event for people to go to, you add in a rampage card. You'd look at it as a card and go, "Well, if that's on near me, that's really good. I can't mm-hmm. really complain about that. It'd be a bit churlish to." Um, mm. none of it meets uh, you haven't mentioned Takeshita's taking on EJ and Duka on uh, Dark this week as well that's which the big is, match that's the big fucking match the unit EJ and Duka and I'm going to not stop until he takes on that name because that's what he should be called <laughs> the unit um, <laughs> but yeah I, I expect another good week's Dynamite I don't have any reason to think why not I think it's it's what they kind of do with the acclaimed because the acclaimed and the guns is a storyline even though from the tag division, you think, where are the Bucks? Where are FTR? Where are all these other top flight? Where are all these other great tag teams? This has been the storyline in the tag division, really, for the mm. most part, other than FTR not getting a title shot. That's the only other like storyline. It's been this one for like fucking months. When they were teaming up okay. together and stuff and the acclaimed were heels, it was great. We were saying, actually, there's something. We were annoyed that they broke up a bit too soon. May not be mad about some of this stuff is very, very sort of, let's go WWE like mm-hmm. very, very sports entertainment-ish. But I think for a match, I, th- I think for um, a match like that, I think there's a, you'd like to think it would do well. It'd be a good test of the acclaimed as a ratings draw if they're able to maintain what you'd imagine. Mm. 
before on that, is it going to dip away? If you're promoting that on there and people are aware of actually something's going to happen during this, is Billy t- Billy Gunn going to turn heel? It's it's a nice little test. I'm not, it's funny. I've seen people say they're sick of this, you know, this stuff. Some of, to be fair, some of the segments haven't been great. You know, the last couple of weeks we're there, the acclaimed and the guns, the therapy segment was pretty shit. Yeah, and even the in ring last week wasn't the best. But I do, I do, I like the guns just being this constant, like, it's a troll job when their music hits, which, you know, we love. Like, it's almost like you've forgotten the existence and then the music hits, and you're like, ah, oh, these fuckers. Like, when they made the challenge for, like, the Briscoes, like, they are just that that thorn in the side of all the babyface teams in AEW that turn up when you don't expect it. You know, the title shots are never particularly earned. You know, that kind of lower-level heel tag team. I, I Padding like out that. their records for a long time by beating shit and going, we're unbeaten. Yeah, I... I almost don't. I almost want the the Billy Gunn turn to come here, so this is an excuse to just you know the acclaim can go off and feud with another team. They can feud with FTR or whoever it ends up being, Phoenix and Pentagon or something like that. But it always comes back round to oh, here comes the fucking guns to try and again. Like I think I'd enjoy that like long term. So I'm I'm kind of hopeful this gets uh, this gets pulled out because I got a lot of uh, got a lot of enjoyment out of the, the gun lads. I think the other thing I'm hoping for is a, is an Adam Cole appearance on the show. Mm. Um, got a bit cold, hasn't it, since he uh, he had that great uh, great come that promo yeah. what's going on there whether there's anything to uh to read into that or, or whatever you would think this would be the week we'd uh we get moving uh in with something with adam cole if he is supposed to be uh appearing on the pay-per-view the garcia guevara gold that's i didn't mention that when i listed off the things on the show i mean and what and um, that's when you get into the uh the that's the jericho vest stuff that i'm uh i'm really <sighs> not into but um good stuff we, good we stuff feared this we feared mm. that ext- like extended Jericho Starks feud and said like Starks mm. beats him and goes no I'm moving on I'm just going to deal with top guys and then the minute Jericho mm. isn't a top guy and mm. instead it enters into when it enters into the Jericho verse it just mm. it's like they get stuck in mud mm. and it feels like you're recycling the same stuff and mm. it's another fucking gauntlet yeah. and it's just like what why just so we can kill some weeks of it feels like. What's a way of killing weeks of TV until we get some gimmick match at the pay-per-view? Mm. Yeah, that's what it seems to be. It's just, uh, you know, yeah. Jer- Jericho, it's like we're working backwards. Jericho put over Starks and, you know, put over fucking um, Action Andrade, and now we're kind of moving backwards in quicksand to justify that or to, you know, make it more than it really needed to be. He'd be uh, mid-card in GCW Action Andrade. <laughs> you wouldn't even be that way. You wouldn't get the call every time when they had to scramble it. Be, ah, we're in his hometown, so we'll use him. You wouldn't even get. You wouldn't get like the trans paid for him to go to any other GCW <laughs> town. That's the that's the level he has. Um, Platt says here, yeah, it's Kingston again. Fucking remember him? Like I don't. This I, I, I hope you pull the trigger on whatever this storyline is with uh, with him and uh, him and Ortiz. Maybe Santana's coming back. And it's going to be a big swerve, and they're going to have a big six man with the uh, with the House of Black. And um, yeah, I, I'm given a little bit of hope by Kingston and MJF going back and forth a little bit on Twitter tonight, and and mm. Kingston being um, one of those people that uh, that MJF had on his big list of uh, people who wanted to face as world champion, and that we get back on track with a uh, with uh, great promos, uh, plenty of plenty of stuff for MJF to use as well. Yeah, against Eddie Kingston to get that fire up in there. But that's just. <laughs> 
easy easy program that even if it's a tv program come on let's Absolutely. let's do that let's do a derby with eddie let's heat him up let's get him back in in that mix again uh yeah. let's hope that's coming too but yeah all in all interesting to uh to see what's uh what's going to be coming there also like to see swear mm-hmm. back in it orange cassidy someone I, I mentioned you know what i said about people being rotated in and out i think you know he'll be back in the, uh, the mix proper again uh soon as well so uh so plenty coming there but anything else in aw from the week jp anything else no. you uh you wanted to mention you look forward to the house shows the house shows are an interesting experiment. I think like we spoke a bit about it on the on the weekend show. Mm. They're interesting in the sense of well, obviously, what are they going to draw? What kind of arenas are they going to do? Is there going to be a like a one camera setup and stuff like that? Who are the stars they're going to be using? Because the ones they announced, obviously, because it was in Ohio, they put Moxley on there. Even mm. if he, he may well have had a, like another book booking at the same point in time, this is the one that I think he'd want to celebrate Paddy's day, wouldn't you? Um, I think so. Fun, by the way, fucking OTT. If, you, if anyone's yeah. seen it, it's been a week now. It's been a week since they put tickets on sale, advertising John Moxley for their show in Wolverhampton, and up. I think it's Dublin the second show, isn't it? Yeah. Despite it then coming out like twelve hours later that Moxley was going to be doing the AW House shows. He's not going to be in Dublin. He's not going to be more no. Brampton. Unless, unless the magic one of Tony's jets, maybe he's going to come over with him when he's coming over for a Fulham game or something like that. I don't see how that works. And it's fucking... I mean, it's the least gross thing OTT have done the last few years, but it's pretty gross to let those tickets continue to be sold. Oh. And, and no, not even just say, we're working it through with AEW. Yeah. Radio silence. Um, we're going to get a replacement. Because he'll want to do it. He said for a long time, this comes back to when he wanted to like pre-pandemic, do the yeah, shows yeah. And, and wasn't yeah. able to do it. So he got the thing he wanted to fulfill this booking. But them not doing this yeah. when there are, obviously he's not going to be there. His bread and butter is AEW. That's going to take priority regardless of how much he's, he's ever being paid. There are people they could send across as a make good who aren't going to be used on this or a couple of people they could use as a make good. Mm-hmm. And that they Should we send them anyway? Yeah. the roster. Never mind house shows. Like some of these lads should be doing coming be in Europe. This is be, they should. That's the story with NXT right now. NXT is starting to let their lads go out and do more indies. Like I know AEW let that happen in a lot of cases, but they should push that even more. People should be out getting seasoning in Europe or whatever, Japan. You know, anywhere. <laughs> well, we're going to see stuff yeah. with that because we've got the Ring of Honor tapings. That's going to be interesting mm. to see who they use as Ring of Honor regulars. Mm. Who are the people who are going to be part of Ring of Honor? For in mm. whatever, whatever the format there is they're doing for it. The house shows, part of me makes me think about part of the problem is you've just sort of mentioned it. It's like the house shows are a solution to a problem that they've created themselves. They need more seasoning. Mm. Well, don't have them all under contract sat around TV. Make sure they're going out and working and saying, we're going to use you on select dates. They are going to take priority, but go out there and work. We want to see you working everywhere, taking tours. Like there's very various people who really should have been coming over here, if we're going to be honest. And in an indie scene in Britain on its ass that could do with imports, particularly from AEW, who don't come over, who still would have a feeling of being fr- top flight coming over now would be a big fucking deal. There's yeah, really no reason not to use it. No reason really is to use AR Fox beyond this weekend. Mm. I'm sure he won't be on it for the next couple of weeks. Like mm. that's that's been a you know. That is that type of stuff as well. And I think like the house shows are that like, because are they really going to be profitable or are you running them because you've got so many people under contract, you have to justify using them. Even while, if it is 
Yeah, I think you've taught me around the house shows a little bit. Like, I get the, the Jade Cargill argument, you know what I mean? You want to, as much as you have got Dark and Dark Elevation there and ROH coming up, you know, she does something on Dark or Dark Elevation and it goes badly, you know, it's about, you know, forcing her to do competitive matches on a show like that. You know, people are going to see it on YouTube. You want it hidden away, you know, on a house show. But then there's the question of, well, you're going to camera up these house shows or not? I get that argument. I, I think as long as, Double J is smart and does his job well, which, you know, the jury's out on whether he actually knows what he's doing or not. And as we said, whether he's just going to... But he'll sound like he does, mate. Or... Oh, yeah. He's, I've got this bloke in minor league baseball who's, who's got a building we can use. Um, as long as it's... But it should be stuff like that. It should be... As long as they're not cannibalizing towns that they could be running a dynamite or a rampage in, you know, you know that period last year where it started, you know, they run a lot of the same towns. The sound the towns felt a bit dead. You don't want to get back to that, you know. You want dynamite and rampage to always be, you know, when they go to a hot new place, you want it to be a dynamite tape, and you don't want it to be a house show. But it sounds like it's not going to be like that. It sounds like it is going to be, you know, smaller setups and. Uh, and you know, I think they'll hopefully, hopefully do it in a in a smart way. I mean, you, you touched on it there just quickly. What do you think of the um? What can they do with ROH to make a difference? You know, if, if those tapings are taking place, it's, well, I think the dates came out this this uh, this week. Twenty sixth, twenty seventh, Yeah, I mean, I really hope it's not just AW with different letters, which I'm thinking it's gonna be. Like, it just mm. doesn't feel like is there going to be that much thought put into making it a completely different feeling product and, you know, shot differently and just with a different feel, you know, um, I hope, I hope, I hope I'm wrong and I hope it is, but I don't want it to just be like, you know, do you want that to feel like an extension of dark or dark elevation or, you know, even feel a bit rampagey. Like it, it needs to be its own thing. And I don't know, you know, knowing Tony Khan and the way kind of he runs things, whether that really will be the case. I think it probably just will be a, a lesser AEW. Have you got any um, hopes or expectations with uh, with ROH? Difficult one. I mean, Rian mentions there in the chat, what do they do with the tag belts? I think it's one of the other things as well. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, is the first episode going to be... Got it. Tournament, tournament, obviously, there as well. But is it going to be a case where I think the, is the first episode going to be like a tribute episode as well? Mm. Jay Brisk, I think that that's part of the part of the plan for some of these tapings. Like you say, you want to see a different look and feel. I want to see a different Booker. Is really mm. kind of it. I want to see different ideas on what they can mm. do with it, and they should be experimenting. Like I said, you know, the Saturday afternoon pay per view. Not only being fucking awesome if you're in the UK to watch like a live US pay per view at like nine in the evening on a Saturday, going like this is this is great. It is the brand they should be taking experiments on. I always liked your idea of not doing something that's week-to-week television. Mm. I've inexplicably spent a long time praying for some sort of better use of Rampage this week, while simultaneously (laughs) dreading the idea of having to watch extra fucking weekly kind of wrestling TV but That's content. why I like Rampage being Quite like, give I, I, I still watch it, but <laughs> and that's maybe a fun byproduct, but I don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have <laughs> don't to. You can like watch I it in the background to. as well and it'll fulfill like that purpose. <laughs> I, I kind of like the idea of Ring of Honor being actually like a lot more character pieces. Like mm. it, It's difficult because when I thought of the last time Ring of Honor was in this situation, it was during the pandemic when they were in Baltimore mm. and they were just kind of doing those silent TV tapings and pay-per-views, which I kind of liked. Like, because they got like the snooker commentary and stuff like that in place. It was like, it was a lot more like kind of as a product. It felt a lot more like wrestling focused. Is the 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 idea? I I think around that period of time, and it's got to feel 
part of the problem, I think, is is that they can't have this as AEW canon. They have to treat this as a whole new entity, something completely different. Like you say, you don't, you know, they've got the logo and everything else, but it needs to be shot in a different way. How you do that, I don't know. I'm not a television director, but it needs all of those things. And I think the idea of having your big show, but you only have maybe a couple of matches perhaps on there and you have character pieces and you build stuff up and you have different kind of segments. I think there's, there's interesting stuff they could do that's very, very different from what they have been doing. I think that's it. I think there's a, there's a way of make it framing this differently. Like I've all, like you say that you alluded to there and I've always kind of fancied that, kind of i don't know ufc presentation is that the best way of uh mm. of putting it like you know that kind of like the fight cards that's kind of what i think you could do with roh but then is that a hard sell to a tv network if the if at the end of the day the end plan is you know we want to set we want to sell another weekly tv show we want to get that slap fight slot slot you know is is that the best call you know so you know as much as creatively i can wish for that i wonder but they could still do something different with it i just don't want it to be you know rampage junior i don't want it to be dark or dark elevation junior i think can you go can you lean into that real sports aesthetic i know aw allegedly does that but they don't really and you know as you talked about you know the the rankings and all that stuff of kind of gone by the wayside you know ROH has got a steep history of uh, of rankings and uh, and you know too many rules when it comes to stuff like the pure division but you know that real sports kind of you know at least attempt um that they tried to uh, to make it when uh, when uh, when ROH launched like yeah I, ho- I hope they do that and it's not just a uh, I also I, I think as well I think the rosters I think they need to be distinct I think yeah. I don't think I'm getting it you know, I think I think obviously you've got Claudio with the contracts, so you're gonna want him on both shows. But I think that's gonna be true across the board. This might might feel a little bit raw and smackdown where yes. guys do just inter- interchangeably do both. Whereas I would like it to just be this is the ROH universe. This is these are the guys who are on this show every week, and this is this is the place where you come to see them. And of course, there's that that graduation, um, and there is that move. But yeah, I think I'd. I'd I'd, I'd prefer that really rather than a, it being another AEW. Um, mm. But I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. In some interesting notes as well, like I've, as far as like who's going to be on the shows, whether there'll be some, you know, outliers there, whether there'll be some, you know, European guys on there. I've seen uh, speculated this week, maybe uh, Andy Hugh can put in a word for RKJ or Michael Oka or someone like that. Um, you know, something wild like that. I just want it to be different. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be full India or ROH, but something like that. It has to be. It- you don't want this to have the same sheen that Dynamite has. Mm. The whole problem I was, I've always thought with the WWE is they have a house style that they're absolutely rigid to. And mm. part of the problem is, as we're going to speak about very soon, is the as the uh, patrons have decided that we're going to be discussing WWE, Cody, and NXT, the problem is when you don't break that house style is, is that it, everything is kind of indistinguishable. And mm. there isn't anything of like, sorry to get into marketing talk, like the, what's the USP of it then? Why do you? Uh, mm. It's like you're producing wrestling for the sake of producing wrestling, and this is how we produce it, rather than mm. why are we producing with this? What are we doing that's different? Yeah, definitely. Well, as you said, there that's kind of uh, that's coming. So look forward to uh, to previewing that, and uh, yeah, I wonder what the turnaround will be as well. You know, how quickly we uh, we get to see it all. On mm. there's been a lot of that's the other thing. But the Tony did say in January we were going to get some kind of announcement about maybe new Japan involvement in in, 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 in the, the ROH TV going forward. 
the day of the day is coming on. I think that was supposed to come in January um, when we were getting that announcement. There's a, you know, there's, a, there's been a lack of news um, when it comes to what ROH is going to look mm. like or how the uh, framing is going to be. But I just think we should uh, should move on to other matters. I did just put it to the chat, by the way. Said so should we talk New Japan next or uh, WWE Cody and uh, or, or NXT and a lot of votes for Cody. Plath threw in a vote for Stardom, of course he did. Um, Andy Ogden threw in a vote for NXT um, and chose playing as uh, as Rian said. But we'll uh, we'll work NXT into the uh, the Cody slash WWE chat. I uh, I suppose not even my fault. Can't forgive me grief that now about this being the uh, the WWE podcast. But as we're coming off the Rumble, there's a couple of couple of things to cover. Um, what have you thought of the way they've uh, pivoted coming off the the Rumble, uh, JP, with the uh, with the Sami Zayn stuff um, on on SmackDown, with them immediately going to mm-hmm. to that angle? I thought they'd let it breathe. Three weeks, but then you look at the calendar, and they haven't got time to let it breathe. A few weeks ah. um, with the uh, with the next pay per view coming up, but they've also pivoted with uh, with Cody um, on Raw. Um, Cody had a, a segment with a, a very memorable segment this week with uh, with Paul Heyman, um, mm. and obviously like, the, the the positioning them well, the balancing it well, where he's talking up Sami Zayn as his, you know his good friend, and he wants Sami to beat Roman, you know, and he'll be waiting on the other side for the for the Mania match. He's definitely uh, he's walking that tightrope. <laughs> Is Cody, but yeah, I don't know. Where, where do you want to start, Cody or Cody or Sammy? What's the uh, what's the uh, the big uh, big top? But they're kind of well, interchangeable, aren't they? They're kind of the same. They are. They're the same because they kind of are. Because generally, I agree that the part of the problem with going to the same match at the Elimination Chamber was, and this is the way I thought of it. I thought ultimately they could have solved this if Roman was being made to defend each of the titles on different nights. Like mm. I still persist in my head that would have been the better way to go because this is a bit of a rush job Mm. you get to this because you want to have this match in front of this crowd Mm. who are ultimately going to be left disappointed which is I think when you get into the Cody stuff that it was a really fine line there to walk this week Mm. because they had to heat up a match Mm. which isn't the match they want to see Roman Reigns in the crowd so he has to acknowledge it without making mm. him seem like the heel. Mm. And you haven't got Roman there as well, or Sammy mm. in yeah. there. So you're getting Heyman, who is very much the rescuer of any kind of angles that look like they might be hitting a possible snag or there's a roadblock in the way. And it's, oh, whatever we get around this, get Heyman out there. He will explain something. He will divert and he will work it around. And they did that absolutely perfectly by making it personal. I mean, as Simon said earlier on in the chat, it very much felt like two liars professionally lying. Like, um, <laughs> professional liars professionally lying um, is, is really what um, kind of what we got there because there's not a fucking snowball's chance in hell that Dusty Rhodes was not involved in the training of Cody Rhodes. Sorry, <laughs> they lived together. Spoiler alert. And his Dan would have been fucking... He was doing, like, junior wrestling, but you don't think he was taking fucking bumps out the back on some trampoline-type thing as a fucking teenager? Of course he was. But mm. the way they worked at him was very, very good. And having the conversation there about ECW and bringing in Dusty Rose, and I was like, oh, I remember that. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Um, I mean, it was pulling back the curtain, but they never mentioned AEW, mm. which was always, like... I kind Cody of walked that line, though. He did walk that line of we're both disruptors. I've been somewhere mm. else. Well, he did also say the fact we don't talk about that, like as mm. well, like which I always thought was kind of an interesting thing to kind of dangle out there because that will always be the easy low hanging fruit 
for anybody who's verbally jousting. I'm just a bit surprised we didn't get it from Heyman. But I thought, I mean, I went onto the, as soon as I saw this was on there, I went onto the BT Sports app to watch it because the YouTube version from BT Sports just cuts out the kind of Cody talking at the beginning about Sami Zayn and then Heyman walking out. And like, I watched it. That's all you need. They... You don't need three hours. You need seven minutes of highlights on YouTube. Yeah. That's the thing. If people think we're overpraising WWE. Don't don't forget there's two hours, 50 minutes of it. We're just not bothering. Like I, I said on the pre-show. Chelsea Green was the, the segment, first... of course, according to the chapter. Oh, I had 20 minutes. I had the first 20 minutes of Raw on because I assumed Cody. I didn't watch the whole of SmackDown, which I never really regret. SmackDown's an easy watch. But I had the first 20 minutes of Raw on, the fucking Edge and Beth Phoenix thing, thinking Cody was up first and... Somehow I sat through that entire thing before I eventually uh, fast-forwarded. But, yeah, we're definitely saying to it, it's a pick and choose because, you know, the rest of Raw is still the rest of Raw. Um, but, yeah, I, I, he, he, to put it back to you, JP, you're shocked that, like, Cody has gone this well in, in WWE. Like, we, we had the same conversation before he left. But since he's come back, like, even more so, like, the you mentioned the Dusty stuff, but in every interview as well, he's putting over the fact that he's, like, you know, he's Triple H's boy. Like, he's very much like, you know, oh, yeah, I broke the throne, but Triple H took it the right, you know, he's taking it the right way. And there's a lot of parallels in our career, the way we both kind of came back from from injury, like Triple H did that time when he had the, you know, 100 pounds of, uh, of extra muscle and a blue jean jacket on. We all remember that angle. Um, but, like, you know, the, he, he talks himself up. Like, he's like, it's weird he's walking this line now where, like, he is the company pick. But he's not a Vincent Bank company pick. He feels like a feels like a Triple H company pick. Like he appeals to all of the the Triple H sensibilities. You know the grandiose Billy bullshit nature of of Cody seems right up Triple H's street. Like should we be shocked it's going this well? I mean, there's there's only so many weeks you can get away with. Oh, Dusty's my dad, and I've got a tear in my eye. Um, as well as they did it this week, the, there's definitely going to come a point where it's like, okay, well, we need to have like a story that isn't just Cody crying because his dad came up. But mm. as far as like you know, booking goes for Cody Rhodes, he's been protected, but he's been protected in a way that hasn't felt obnoxious yet, even if it has walked that line. Like they've just got him right. Why is it? That's the question. Why is this working so well compared to like some of the right. shit we got from the Cody verse in AEW? Like, how is this? better like, than what he was doing in AW. Hey, right now it is. I'd say one of two things. One, he got injured, so they didn't have a chance to fuck it up. It's True. Like he came in, he was hot, he had a feud with Rollins, and then he was injured for ages with a very visible, serious injury, wrestling through it, which gave the credibility to the hardcore fans, plus at the same time was like the kind of thing that the casual fan could go, oh shit, he's going to be out for ages. I gave a they, Seth Rollins match four and a half stars, mate. It appealed to the hardcore yeah. fans absolutely that much because yeah. of the real life thing. Absolutely. So there was like an element of real credibility around that. <laughs> then when he came back, they booked the Rumble well for him. They had him in a number 30. So it was always like, it wasn't the fact he was going to get booed because they were expecting mm. to see Sami Zayn. They booked that stuff later on for the end of the show. And that was good. <laughs> There's still a novelty of Cody and different places mm. that they're going to. So it's not like they've run through a load of markets in that time and it's just like the same fans seeing the same face and the same promo. You haven't got that yet. If we didn't have that, what, six to eight month period where he was out, mm. it potentially is very different. He, he would have been, he could have been in a feud with fucking Elias for all we know, or some other mm. dross in the mid card. But they kind of avoided that fact. You know, so... We get to the point where he's also 
he's a fresh face against Roman, which is a big thing. Like that's that ultimately with Sami Zayn and with Cody, they've not been in this position with Roman mm. Reigns. If mm. Vince was there, we'd be talking about Brock. We'd be talking about fucking Brock again. It'd be that type of stuff. And, you know, like that would be like going back onto it. And, and, and I think it's an interesting one about Cody never feels like he'll really be Vince's choice. Mm. Like he won't be because it's, it, he ultimately reminds him of his competition which is what Dusty mm. Rhodes will always be, no matter how many years he fucking well worked for him. And he is trained as a WWE wrestler, as Simon mentions there. He goes, he's had his indie run. He's back where he belongs. People are saying no to him on there. That's the other big thing in all of this, is there's going to yeah. be times he says stuff, he pitches stuff, and they go, no. And there'll be a certain amount yeah. of creative freedom. We'll be like, no, this is how we do it. And I don't see him arguing with it. That's why I love them though. Like I love like because he is a WWE wrestler through and through. He's mm. he's a Triple H style wrestler more than he is a Kenny Omega style wrestler. You know, like that was the thing. You know, he used when he got released last time the Bullet Club and the Civil War stuff and ROH and you know and all of that. He got he got him with the cool kids, didn't he? And he got himself on being the elite and he got himself that credibility. You know, coming off a fucking run as Stardust. Um and you know Stardust was bad, but even before that, you know, he very much a mid-card wrestler, you know, comedy tag team um wrestler is kind of what he was with Damian Sandow, like the Road Scholars, remember that? Like he was just <laughs> he was he was really his stock was at an all-time low. And while he attached himself to the hot indie products, he was still very much a WWE style wrestler. And that's what made him stand out. That's why I loved him. You know, I, I loved him in, in ROH. Didn't love him so much in New Japan. He never felt like a good fit there. No. Loved him in AEW despite himself. And this was the problem. You know, he offered something very different from everybody else in the promotion, but he got so siloed off and so isolated from everyone else, you know, that it just, and like you say, his bad ideas weren't getting weren't getting turned down you know saying oh well i'll 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 just never have a world title shot like you know because i'm i'm the veteran i mean no you're not mate you're in your early 30s shut up like you should be the star right now you know nobody stopped him tony khan didn't have maybe the experience to, to stop him on and stop him from himself you know and as much as the bad ideas were probably all cody's when it came to some of the feuds he had you know the the qt marshall era and you know the anthony agogo stuff and you know there was a point where somebody reminded me on twitter this week brock anderson had a, a main event a dynamite match thanks yeah. to cody like <laughs> he made some very very odd choices in there the heel and face stuff and never forget Brandy as well. You know how, how awful you know she was at a, a point for him and his character. Like he was never, he was almost he was that he's that great example of it. Like like we say with Kenny sometimes of a wrestler being given too much freedom and having no filter for his good or his bad ideas. And I think as much as he works stylistically for WWE, he's probably better off in WWE having now coming from AEW with that confidence of a man who got himself over on the Indies, who got himself over on AEW, knows he's a big deal, you know, the confidence that comes with a million-dollar look as well, you know, the hair, the suits, mm -hmm. all of that stuff, and the entrance and the and the gear and everything like that. He's kind of perfected all of that. Adds to that the ego that he's got that's kind of grown in him over the, the last few years. And then you slot him into a WWE system where he seems to have, as a top guy, which inexplicably they've allowed him to be from the start, 
you know, a degree of, of control over what he does, it's still within that WWE system where there's only so much control you're going to have, you know, over what you do, even with, you know, with Triple H on side, who probably gives him more leeway than, than maybe Vince would. He's just in that sweet spot now, isn't it? Where it's like, yeah, this is this is probably what he should have been in AEW. Probably couldn't have been in AEW with the you know the management structure there. Mm. You know, we kind of laughed at, not even laughed at, just we were just shocked at the idea that he'd ever leave AEW for WWE. But at this point, it's like, no, WWE is absolutely where he belongs. I'm sure we'll have this conversation in four years when he jumps back and he's the uh, the savior Cody again, and he uh, he takes AEW back on his shoulders again. He'll get us all back on side, but. This is where he should be. He's absolutely is again. Simon makes another great point in the chat. He fits the mold. The guy who leaves says "fuck you" to WWE, um, and then comes back and Vince is only happy to to take him back because he's said "fuck you." Like it's just a perfect storm of things, isn't it? And it's yeah, yeah you know, it's all those things that you say. Yeah, they haven't had the chance to ruin him, so there is that. I am very curious what he does past a WrestleMania period where he can't bring up Dusty every every week and he can't have. You know, he's a fucking carny. Like, he can't have fake tears in his eyes every week. He can't, you know, talk about the, you know, his daughter's eyes every week. He will have to actually get into, like, some feuds that involve the people he's wrestling rather than, you know, his his, his constant existential crisis as Dusty's second son. But right now, it's, it's the perfect storm of things. And he comes across, like, the biggest star in the industry. And the biggest compliment you can give him is right now, the crowd haven't turned on him, you know. Even even with a Sami mm. Zayn, you know, right there, um, who's the uh, who's the who's the who's the perfect, you know, opposite to him, who isn't a WWE guy, who isn't doesn't feel hand selected in any way. Very much feels people selected. Um, he's still managing to be over and come across like the biggest star in the company. Um, part of that's the fact that WWE fans haven't got any fight left in them anymore, but also, you know, he's won them over, hasn't he? He's he's a massive star to those WWE fans who probably didn't even watch AEW, mm. like Matt. Yeah. <laughs> And I think the, you know, as been mentioned in the chat, like he knew what he needed to do, which is turn himself into a top, to a headline star, mm-hmm. headlining successful pay-per-views, which he's done mm-hmm. with good buy rates. Mm-hmm. Even though like the AEW buy rates have generally improved over that time, especially since when, when Punk came in, it went up, up like 50,000, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like he, he has proven that he can do that. And I also don't put it past him to think, Okay, how long have I got left on this deal? Two and a bit years. Just need to keep myself going into that last year with an element of doubt about how they're going to book him. Because I always think the big test is they go, right, your babyface run is done. We're going to turn you heel. What does he say? Because then if WWF nail what could be, which I think is ultimately the bigger money or the bigger kind of feud stuff, him Maybe let them heel. turn on him. Come SummerSlam time or something. You let, know, let them, that happen. Let them turn on him, and then mm. at that point, fucking embrace it. And you've got oh, him as mega heel going against it, which Might then, to the which then <laughs> by default means he'll be a bigger baby face because people will love him as a heel because we kind of know what like he'll be doing, like the Rock. Like oh. it is that that kind of stuff. It's whether or not like you. I don't think you're going to get with Triple H someone going, no, he's our Cena, we're never going to turn him. The obvious mm. comparison point for all of his runs. But yeah, it's it's follow interesting. It. And like I, I love JP's booking, do that. Just follow what JP said, hopefully Paul's if, listening. If you're in the, but he'll also be thinking about a possible, like what his leverage for going back to AEW is. Because he'll mm. also be bigger returning back there. Mm. Like, yeah. you know, there is all of this thing where he... He played this has worked out well for him partly because there hasn't been a Vince about. That's mm. the other big other big thing in this. 
Yeah. Vince would have fucking ruined it. He'd have had him in polka dots in no time and that shit. So that's that's I mean quickly we'll move on. But like that segment on Raw last night was, you know, I'm almost glad we cover this on a Monday. Dude, they had two killer segments in a week. Like, I don't think they're back, but that's kind of shocking. That's a shocking statistic. Uh, it was brilliant. You know, he was great. You know, make fun of the, you know, bringing up his dad stuff all the time. But like, it, it felt, even if it's two Billy bullshitters, it felt believable that he made Paul Heyman kind of choke up a little bit. You know, I'll, I'll love any, any, any segment on Monday Night Raw in the year of our Lord 2023 that can uh, shoehorn in a Steve Carino mentioned, you know, I'll always love that as well, but it did, it felt like, it felt, you know, this isn't, you know, a, a unique point. I've seen a few people kind of make the point, but, you know, he almost, he came across as much as I loved him in AW, a little bit phony. And in, in with me, it's kind of the reverse is true. Like he almost, he, yes, he's a phony, but he almost, almost comes across real because the rest of it's so phony. And he, that segment, at least for that moment where it felt like he, he caught aiming, came across real. And, you know, the two lying liars and uh, and liars who tell them, as uh, as you'll always say, JP, but like, you know, Heyman leaning into that um, and leaning into that, getting choked up stuff worked really well. Heyman, you know, professional liar, professional carny, professional whatever, you know, professional performer you know, t- use that for, for his material as well. And it led to just a really, really memorable, um, you know, t- mm. 10 to 15 minute segments on a, on Raw this week. Would you, would you have it above or below the other uh, Sammy segment with Roman? Because I, I heard um, there were a couple of uh, my favourite uh, Janos said that the Sammy segment on SmackDown had a pop that was uh, unlike any we've ever heard in wrestling before. Uh, never mind on a Wednesday most weeks. I was going to uh, say. Never happened before a hot crowd in wrestling, has it? <laughs> it was great, don't get me wrong, but come on, calm down. Yeah. It shows you how brainwashed it really is. It's a big pop and go, yeah, it's a big pop on a WWE TV show. Like, I know it's a rarity. <laughs> Let me introduce you to the concept of shit booking. That will then create the silence that you're that you were wondering why you're not hearing at that point in time. So mm. I, I mean I have to say for that segment I I did really I did really like it. I probably like the Cody one more because it was more of a balancing act for what they actually had to do. It's just that I suppose ultimately this is a storyline and I think this is this is, the, this is the one snag that really in all of this is when he loses in Montreal, but how do the how do the crowd start reacting then? Yeah. At the point when they know he's not gonna be in a mania main event. At that point, you've really then got to position yourself to him and Owens versus the Usos as being a massive kind of big match with all the possible bells and whistles. And you've got to go epic on that one. I wonder how they get to that point with that. Because you're right. Although at the same time, as we keep saying, the WWE fans have to fight in them these days. You know, the the people who would kick up a fuss are all watching AEW instead now. I think it's less of a risk, but it is a balancing act. Absolutely. You don't want it to feel secondary, do you either? I've got to be honest. Like I, I will... You know, we're going to talk NXT in a minute, and I've got a couple of points like that on NXT. But on on this Sammy story, I do feel a little bit like I think I should have, I should have said it more last last week. As much as I loved the Rumble angle, and I thought it was you know top five, you could argue it's top five WWE angles of all time, or you know at least top ten. Um, you know, as far as you know reaction goes, that one did genuinely have a you know a game changing mm-hmm. kind of sound to it. It felt important. It was well built up too. My one criticism of that, you know, and it was ninety percent praise and it was ten percent 
Hmm. I, I kind of think the better story was was Sammy being turned on rather than Sammy being the one to swing the chair because that's very wrestling. And the actual better dramatic emotive story is that Sammy was loyal to a fault to the end. And maybe you can still have, you know, oh, he's, you know, he realizes what's happened to Owens is wrong and, you know, he has to make up for himself. But the fact that they had Sammy swing that chair, I did think was a bit of a negative as opposed to just the story of Roman turning on him. And I feel stronger about that on SmackDown. Again, don't get me wrong, killer segment. Still love the story overall. But I still got, got that, that feeling in my gut there. Oh, Sammy's back already. Oh, and Sammy's on the offense already. Like, I was almost, I would have loved, I guess the timeline doesn't work for it, like a month of Sammy licking his wounds until he finally comes back and, you know, saves somebody from Roman. Instead, it's just a, it's a pro wrestling attack. Angle, you know, he just he comes out and he and he attacks Roman because of course he does because he's got to get his revenge. I almost think like something a bit more emotive, something a bit more like it takes a few weeks for him to recover from, you know, his not only the physical side of it, but you know, the betrayal. Um is a better story. Um, if anything, it's just a shame. Yeah, they haven't despite the fact the story's taken like two years to tell, they found themselves without the time to do that with, yeah. with three weeks to go to a pay-per-view. So they're just fucking we're slap bang in it and the match the match has already been announced you know like less than a week after the rumble sammy and roman at montreal's official like i, I am a little bit like and as much as 80 90 of me loves it there's that niggler percent that's like uh, you know you could tell a story even better that's the that's the thing that bothers me is is that you would then start to wonder are they going to nail the landing which is the crucial thing mm. you tell this story right roman loses nothing and sammy zane is a big underdog baby face with which you can go with, who has that kind of Daniel Bryan style crowd connection that they wanted, even though when they did have it, they didn't want it. And they kind of did their best to reject it. You'd actually have that again. And that's why going to the elimination chamber is see after, and as long as the angle is in terms of two years, there's still not a reason to rush the ending which is kind of what this is. Although they'll say it isn't the ending and it's going to go into mania. I think Rian's prediction where Jey Uso ends up interfering to help Roman Reigns win. And then that is the thing that builds to the, builds to the kind of pay-per-view um, builds to mania. I should say with him and Owens versus, versus the Usos. I could see that being the direction. That's still not creatively fulfilling because ultimately what you want to see is Sammy's own getting one over on Roman Reigns. And that's not what we're going to be getting. And again, I think it's, you get people invested, you get that kind of crowd reaction. How do they then react when it's Sammy Zayn? They see well, he's been screwed out of what he hasn't beaten Roman Reigns. We want to see him get that proper kind of big stage moment. And you don't give it to them. So that would be the only kind of detour that the only kind of concern I, I have primarily about that. But yeah, I mean, fair enough. Well, yeah, I mean, move, moving on, I suppose, to other WWE matters. Uh, outside that was nothing to talk on Raw. Um, JBL turned on Baron Corbin. Of course, JBL's the star and not Baron Corbin in that. Um, <laughs> and SmackDown, while I didn't have much going on from an in-ring point of view, I did in, enjoy the uh, the Imperium tab with, uh, with Ricochet and, uh, and Braun. Imperium continued to be a, uh, a real strong part of, uh, of those shows. Brawl and Brutes as well, they were... Uh, you go through Raw while I let the dog out yeah. for a piss out the back. Yeah, be running back well, in a second. 
Well, we'll leave Raw. There's nothing, definitely nothing to uh, to say on Raw, but we'll talk some uh, some uh, NXT um, as we uh, get into that, which was uh, which was Andy's uh, choice for us to uh, to go up uh, go up on next. And yeah, unbelievably, NXT did have a pay per view over the weekend or a, a premium live event, um, as they are. Uh, called uh here these days but yeah vengeance uh vengeance day it was jp uh at the weekend did you watch the entirety of this did you uh yes. did, you, or did you pick and choose uh, no <laughs> i, I watched a lot <laughs> uh, I, I mean it was an opener and a main event made some stuff happened in the middle uh gallus won some tag but why does triple h love gallus so much i like, want it how does done. look I will criticize WWE for being a style over substance promotion for Vince McMahon back and body guys. You know, there are lots of negatives to that. But I'm so, how does no one in this company look at the fucking state of Wolfgang and go, you're not going on our telly? Like, how, how is he the guy that Shawn okay. Michaels was like, going, no, 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 no. He's good. He's got, we, we, we're going to sack all the NXT UK wrestlers. But we're gonna bring Mark Coffey and Wolfgang to the US, and we're gonna put the fucking straps on them. Like, what's he got over Shawn Michaels? Like, what is, what have them? Where does this love come from? What, what does he see in it? Like, especially given some of the dirty laundry on some of the people involved as well. You, it is absolutely fucking inexplicable. But yeah. but they're not good either. And it no. makes sense. Like, oh, Jordan Devlin's a cunt, and this is not an excuse. He shouldn't work for that company, but at least he's a good wrestler. These aren't good wrestlers. Like, I, I, and that at least he's a good wrestler does, doesn't make up for it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, you can understand the logic of a scumbag going, I'm going to book you anyway. You can understand the logic of a scumbag going, yeah, well, I'm going to book Riddle anyway. You can understand that. Why and how is... I know. Gallus, like worth it? Like I don't get it. Like the, sh- the shit. Like are we just blind to it? Is like, is there something they're offering that we don't see when we watch these matches? Because they just look like a couple of shindy blobs who just, yeah, just mm. are not nothing special about them. Not great promos. Not great characters. They're not particularly over. That was my why. <laughs> Why? That was my point. Watching this, I don't know why this is the first match we're talking about, but I suppose it's because of this result. I looked at it and I went, I've never been mad about Pretty Deadly, but I, they are the kind of team that they love and they're doing a good job in terms of building them up and building an identity. Yeah? yeah. So I get why what they're doing, what they're doing. And they're going to be up on the main roster soon enough. And it may only be a comedy tag team role, but at some point they'll get those tag team belts and the rest yeah. of it. But they, it's their guys. It feels like we've signed them up from very, very young for this. Chase University, or no fuck all about, other than Duke Hudson's another Aussie. I think. Not a good laugh. Do you know what? They were perfectly fine for what NXT was. The crowd liked them. The fact that I think Andre Chase came comes from Charlotte as well kind of really helped with that. So I got I, 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 watching this match. I thought I wouldn't be surprised if I put the put the belts on them. Or you know, I was surprised the New Day took a pin. But to Gallus of all fucking teams, there I was like the one that. The ones that isn't over, the ones who don't look like they should be there at all, in a role that was really well fulfilled by grizzled young vets who aren't used in any meaningful way on this program. And you're just thinking, God, I I did think to myself, you put in grizzled young vets here, you got yourself a hell of a fucking wild tag match. They'll be able to hold that shit together. But no, it's Gallus again, who are going to, I even think, 
that performance capital wrestling center crowd like honestly it looks like they've been through some clockwork orange shit and they will happily cheer whatever shite that lash Le- legend or fallon henley or whatever their fucking weird names are they lap that shit up i don't even think they'll re- react to gallus i think that might break the programming for them don't understand it. I mean, obviously, you know, they get behind pretty deadly too, so good for them. Maybe pretty deadly are going up to the main main roster at some point soon because mm. they are a main roster ready act. Totally get the love in there. Totally get why those guys survived the NXT UK yeah. call. Um, there's a you know, thought there's been a star potential in them since the days that uh, that Joe was getting them confused with pretty bastards, you know, four years ago when we were talking them on uh, on yep. progress shows. Like they're they're great, really like pretty deadly. Um yeah, Gallus, I don't understand. The other big note from that match was uh, how much Booker T just can't hide, how much he love fucking hates New Day. Like, it's become a bit now. It's gone from being, like, a thing that subtly happens in commentary to outright being acknowledged. Fucking hell, you hate these two. Right. Aren't, aren't you made up New Day? I've lost the belt. Oh, I haven't won the belts here. Uh, <laughs> but, but, like, it's just unbelievable. Like, his relief when they were no longer champs was just, yeah, um, absolutely a shoot. Um, whatever they've uh, they've done and- to offend uh, Booker, I don't know, but... And combined yeah. with that, he is one of the worst commentators out there. And that's some fucking competition for that. I'm talking He's got indie nothing lads to as say. well. Nothing, to nothing. Say. no substance. He, honestly, to God, it's it's like he's got just bullshit Tourette's. Yeah, like he just talks <laughs> fucking nonsense. Thought I talk a lot of nonsense on on this, but bloody hellfire! And then he throws in a tagline, which I don't understand. Is it chuggy, quack, quacky? What the, what the fuck does that mean? All right, <laughs> I'm a human being, and I don't understand. I speak English, and I don't know what that means. I don't know what he's talking about. He doesn't add anything to matches at all. Mm. He just speaks in the tone of voice that he thinks mm. he should be. But mm. it's, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's just like Vic Joseph might as well just be sat next to someone with dementia who's just occasionally <laughs> reaching into a fucking mic and talking. Because that's how bad Booker T is. He is, yeah, shooky ducky quack quack. <laughs> if somebody said that for me, I'd be asking, all right, can you smell burnt toast? Yeah, let's call the ambulance. That's like <laughs> real, absolute fucking bollocks. He's he's awful. And I mm. feel sorry for Vic Joseph. Because mm. not only does he have to commentate on a professional wrestling show, but he has to keep an eye on some fucking idiot next to him as well. Yeah. It's awful, and I don't, I don't understand how Nigel McGuinness lost his job, and yeah, Booker T's uh, apparently getting a weekly wage and is going to be extended on this. He's uh, shit on a kickoff panel, and he speaks for all of about four minutes on those things. Awful, awful. But um, yeah, any other big notes from the show? I mean, I think the main note of the show, like I said, I didn't think, to be honest, like the main stuff I saw, the opener, um, mm. was fine. Um, you know, I think... Very overrated by some people. Yeah, I mean, I get why, because it was your typical diet. Because I was watching it thinking, okay, I don't really understand the, the, the overpraise on this one. They're having a good little match. But then there's that, it's the Kurt Angle TNA formula that Dijak employs. He's right back to where he was when he was doing the Keith Lee matches. Because you get, once they started going to the kickouts, it's then more kickouts and more kickouts and more big moves. And he does that Kurt Angle thing where, like, you know, you got like, you get like, 10 minutes of a structured match with a, you know, a shine, a heat, and a comeback. And then you get a false finish, and then you get 15 minutes more of false finishes, like which is yeah. kind of the Aussie Open style as well, which I, I think Aussie Open do really well. It suits Dijak. It's he's better off doing this than wearing a gimp mask on Raw and trying to be anything other than than what he is. But I think people just 
it's like those kit, some of those kit I got TNA matches. I know that's sacrilege, but people just remember the kickouts um, and remember those bits and you know mm. kid themselves that they saw a great story happen in front of them. There's no great storytelling to be told with uh, with Dijakt, but there are big moves and big kickouts and a couple a couple of them caught me. A couple of them really caught me. Mm. Towards the end. They even did the tribute to Kurt Angle with the um, palm off the top into a Rana that almost beheaded Dijakt. Um, that felt very. Uh, it was who did Kurt Angle do that? It was Jeff, wasn't it? I think I saw a gif of that on Twitter this yeah. week. Uh, that cage match where uh, where Angle almost died. one of the many times Angle almost died. It felt a lot like that. Um, but yeah, in fairness to them, I did. But you know, it was, if it, it was a kickout match, but I bought a lot of those kickouts. I'd go three point seven five stars on it. Um, you know, style over substance, but there was a lot of style. Is probably what I'd say. And you know, it felt like a. It did. The crowd were felt organically hot in this one. It felt mm. like I was watching for five minutes at takeover from you know four years ago um you know with everything that entails uh, but i liked it uh, it sounds like you didn't like it as as much as me um i would say rating all right fair enough yeah i just thought dijak's a weird one isn't he i mean first of all he just looks like he's a male stripper if he just ripped those trousers off and he was wearing a thong, you'd be like, you wouldn't be that surprised. That kind of get up with his fucking like, getting no job, getting no died. job for that finger though, is he? Not getting a say that. Oh that's, my that's, god! <laughs> it'll take his other favorite thing out, which is uh, tweeting snarky things. We were at a, an ROH show once where me, Massey, and Gary were in the crowd, and Gary slagged him off, and literally. I would say 15 seconds after he got behind the curtain, there was a reply from Dajak on Twitter, like a snarky reply about his match. He'd, he'd fucking, he'd manage the vanity search that quickly, even I'm not that oh. quick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, stripping and tweeting, that that is two hobbies. This environment is not, we took it back at the environment for Cody Rose being right for him. This is not the right environment for, for Dijak. He's tall, but he's not big or broad enough to be considered mm. like the monster guy who can do great moves. Mm. And he would do if he wasn't in a company where like Wesley's much more ripped than him. And that's part of the problem is he's going to be up against them. Mm. The look doesn't, it, it doesn't work for me as I've already said. And I think it, it's, it's almost like, I just thought Dijak and impact. That's probably realistically the level that he kind of should be at because he's mm. big enough there to be like a kind of challenger of the month for Josh Alexander. And there's enough yeah. kind of untapped stuff that'd be good. But here, he's kind of lost. Like, there isn't really, like, he's there, he's in the system. But it's very much a case of they released him. I don't know really what they then what you'd end up missing of him, because he just doesn't feel mm. like he's going to make it in NXT, let alone the main roster. Mm. But I went 3.275 yeah. because he can do these matches. Put him in there against someone talented enough. They can have a fun as an opener that's there to get a reaction from the crowd, which was, and I have to say, like, it sold well. They did about 5,000 or so, like, mm. in terms of attendance for this show. For NXT, that's fucking great. NXT, mm. 2023 NXT, that is great. Obviously, they're able to do much bigger shows. But it showed that, and, that, and this was a crowd that was into it. So... Mm. You know, it worked on that, but I don't see big things for his future. Um, and what else did yeah. you enjoy the show? Give it, give us your rundown quickly before we uh, uh, do some new Japan. Oh, yeah, of, too much time on it. It's of the other stuff that I enjoyed on the show, oh, I mean, yeah, it, it's. I thought Apollo Cruz versus Kamala Hayes was far too long. I was quite bored. Mm. I recognise that Carmelo Hayes is really good, and I was glad to see they're doing something with him and Bron Brecker because that's always felt like the match they should have been going to, and it's perfect for a kind of 
pre-Mania NXT show. But this was, I was just watching and going, what does he gain by beating Apollo Crews? In theory, you go, he's beating a veteran who's up on the main roster, but who gives a shit? Like, really? No one cares. So it doesn't mean anything for it. It was just a bit dull. And I just went, what does he gain? And he's the one with the upside. And he is the kind of person who, post-Mania, should be looking to putting him up on the main roster as something different. Like, as someone who looks like he's kind of, like, got a good confidence level in the rest of it. It's just that, you know, Apollo Crews is, again, another one of these guys where there's much more interesting things he could do outside of the company. I say much more interesting things. I'm not even really convinced by that myself. But there's better things he could be doing outside of the company. The women's tag match was weird, I thought, very quickly. Like, nothing is organic and natural. It's just like, I rehearsed this in the performance centre. I'm now going to do that rehearsal. And then by hook or by crook, they're going to do certain spots. So there's always like weird combos that are never like natural. Like you see a big rig from FTR. You can hit that out of anywhere. You wouldn't trust any of the NXT lot to be doing that. And here, it was just like a series of overproduced moves that they've obviously had done on each other in the PC multiple fucking times. They've just done it here in Charlotte. Um, Mm. So I thought that was a mess. I was like two stars on that. Um, The women's triple threat match, Perez is good. This is just a way of sort of time killing for her to face another challenger. Um, Although I will say on all of this, there was an angle they played, which was, I thought, inexplicably complex for NXT, where they went through what looked like a still shot Mm. of, I think, is it who who got attacked? Was it um oh not Tiffany Stratton? Someone on the on the You're on your own here, you're the NXT. Nikita Lyons. Nikita Lyons got attacked. And they had like ten members of the women's roster doing different things. And you can see Fallon Henley sat in her car. You can see mm. Zaya Lee and she's not looking impressed. And I was like <laughs> I saw and, I just, and, and all I thought was this is very good and quite funny, but it's completely mm. wasted in, in all of this, trying to work out some fucking intricate plot for it. Mm. and then you know so I was just glad Roxanne Perez won she's got something showed it at the Rumble as well so I'm just racing through this I don't know if you've got any comments on it no good carry on carry on Bron Brecker and Grayson Waller in the steel cage match and I just came thoughts on this I've got and I don't know if you agree with me on here he okay I get that NXT is is developmental and there's going to come a point on the main roster where you would want a Bron Brecker not to just be like a Goldberg clone and actually be able to have long matches at a certain point. But it feels here, the way he's presented, what they want of him, it doesn't work because he isn't impactful enough. Even that first spear, I thought was kind of shit. Second one was better on there. His gear is shit. The name is shit. There's potential as Bron Steiner and the reason I'll do Bron and not Bronson is because already another Bronson and God forbid, you know, you can't have more than one in there much mm. in the way you can't have two people called Lance or two people called Sean. <laughs> you can't have those kind of things. Shane. In there. Yeah, exactly. Shane, Shane's a great one for that. Gregory and Helms. <laughs> and he doesn't have the dynamism that you'd want of someone there. There isn't that kind of crowd connection. I thought Waller did a lot of the work and stuff. Even the big viral spot of the superplex shit and he was nearly dropping him there as well mm. and it never felt like Grayson Waller is someone who's going to win 
And he spent a long time selling in this match, which he's not very good at. So like, and at the end, there was the whole kind of him shouting at Grayson Waller, like telling him it's his yard. It kind of felt at that point that that was like, I don't know, in some way, like he was being fucking arrogant there as well. Mm. You know, oh, you're right. He's already Braun Strowman. Oh, Christ. I mean, but go with the Steiner. The Steiner is the key bit in all of this. But it's it's just that you know he's going to get brought up. You know he's going to get built up. There are people going to say, oh, NXT was really good. They're lying. He really isn't. He's not very good. And, and I'm not expecting him to be good at this point in time. But some sort of, like, great hope of NXT, I don't see it. Not in this form. Maybe you can bring him up, have shorter matches on the main roster, and it'll get over with a new audience, possibly. But that requires new gear and just a new way of him wrestling. Mm. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree, really. Like, uh, it's almost like, you know, the rumor was he was going to do the rumble, wasn't there? And it's like, mm-hmm. of course that wasn't going to happen because it's what next then, isn't it? Like, he does, it, he's, he's caught in this really mucky middle where he's not gone full Steiner because of the name stuff. Um, but also he's not really developing as anything else. We might as well just be full Steiner. Um yeah, it's odd. I, I don't really see it really with him. I think that he's one of those wrestlers who it feels like, and you know the types, we're just always going to say, oh, but what potentially had? He's going to be Shelton Benjamin. You know, oh, what potentially had? What a great athlete. When realistically, probably got the... Davey Boy Smith Jr. What he deserved. Yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, what a real... Jim Ross will be moaning, you know, in, in, in 20 years about the fact that he, he never got it like a fair shake of it. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really seeing it. He's got... A star quality, especially for his level of experience. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, as far as putting the rest together and what he would do and who he would be in a wrestling world, you say Fake Steiner is cool for a little mid card act or a tag team, as it obviously you know was for the the Steiners themselves. But is it really a a good fit like long term as a as a as a real character yeah maybe not maybe not um yeah i'm not i'm not against you there i I thought the match was a complete nothing like i really did it was the definition of as you'll often hear me say a professional wrestling match like there wasn't really any meat to the bone it was a cage match for the sake of being a cage match barren of any real memorable spot or any real violent feel to it you know i think Darby yeah. and Samoa Joe and Dynamite this week felt like, you know, an 18 and this felt like a PG, you know, and uh, yeah. I guess that's what it's going to be when it's Bright Lights NXT, but when it's a cage match, you know, at least do something to make it feel like, you know, you just hate each other and it's and it's more violent than it is. It was a, a three-star match on a show that, yeah, was very much for me, you know, you, you listed off the mid-card there. It was, it was a one-match show. It was that opener and I don't yeah. think there was, you know, there's nothing else I would recommend if anyone's not seen it that anyone needs to, to go and see. And sadly, that main event is uh, is definitely part of that conversation. Yeah, it is. And I think that is... Uh, it's a it's a funny one because it's probably these shows in its own because I've such, such low expectations. They are slightly better than what I expect them to be. But that's not saying that they're good. That's just saying that I'm expecting them to be two stars, mm. two and a half stars. And some of these matches hit three. Mm. That's not something to go shouting about the rooftops mm. of. It. It's still... Mm. It's just a bit of a, I don't know. They're probably better off doing it the way they're doing it now, which is having five matches and doing what is kind mm. of classic NXT takeover formula. And if they can get some, get them on the road as well in front of proper crowds, real mm. people, mm. rather than 
brainwashed people in in Orlando, then like you know, at that point, you know, you you kind of need to hear what genuine crowd reactions are. And I didn't hear mm. mad crowd reactions for Brom Brecker. Right? No, that way. So I think there's it. It still is at a point with NXT where where they're going to go once we've got the call-ups and mm. whatnot. Once you lose a Roxanne Perez in there, does, is Wesley ever going to get called up? What role would he fulfill on the main roster, for God's sake? he just get beat. You've already got Ricochet, you know, which yeah, is the thing you can say about more than one person on the NXT roster because that's the, that's the ceiling, isn't it, of, of what you'd be on main roster? Yeah. Pretty deadly, there's space for them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, you get the odd gem like that. But yeah, I am surprised. You know, the, the new Triple H here haven't really, you know, spent any time reimagining NXT. They're allegedly reimagining NXT Europe. That came up again, didn't it, on the uh, the conference call last week? That uh, if you want to see us cover those numbers, we uh, we did on the weekend show on Friday and a little bit on YouTube. But there's yeah, there's you know yeah, what it, that sounds like it's going to be like another you know i thought that was going to be a warehouse for rugby players but that sounds like that's actually going to be a, a show again is it just going to be like this colorful nxt that doesn't really serve a purpose yeah i, I don't know i don't know how you reinvent the wheel on this one but with people being told there's the fucking hard cam look at the red light like as if there's a sniper in the fucking rafters of the, the voice of john briley shouting that like, shouting take them out yeah do your weird pose thing that you've got to do right yeah make sure you do it right in front of this camera (laughs) makes for great television Oh, brilliant. Well, we look forward to the other return of that on uh, on BT Sport but yeah that's it for NXT JP should we uh, should we move to Japan Mm. no not literally I've got a lot going on in (laughs) the UK mate I can't really up sticks and move to Japan but maybe, maybe next year Karen and WH uh, could give us some tips. I had uh, yeah. I said you say that <laughs> could tell me to mention I was uh, I was getting messaged by your, your was it your stepson on uh, on Instagram this week? Yes. <laughs> I put a video of us uh, on the weekend show and I, I literally <laughs> I got a message from Vicky like going, That's JP. And like I like I reply with like yeah, that's a bit of a weird message where I just reply with a laughing emoji and like a thumbs up, like, yep, that is JP. <laughs> and she sent me a message like 10 minutes later going, yeah, that wasn't me, dear, the little one at the phone. Yeah. <laughs> at least he recognized you, JP, on, a, on an Instagram story. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> gave him the phone just to keep him quiet for a minute and then this is what happens on there. But he seemed absolutely made up that I'd appeared on an Instagram story. So it was like, <laughs> yes, I know you. And I thought, well, fucking <laughs> That's what he do. said. JP, um, I know you. That's what the message said, yeah. It made me it, laugh. It's like me Spelling is good for a six-year-old. Like, I mean, he's he's, he's at least he's yeah. It's frightening for now that they know how to do it. I mean, nephew Tiago's like fucking, you know, barely, barely two yet, and he's like, you, you can give him a tablet, put it in his hand, put a phone in his hand. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to change the channel on the telly. Like, it's (laughs) you pick this stuff up, mate. Different world, mate. Honestly, it really is. (laughs) Uh, but on that note, anyway, yeah, we're going to talk some uh, some Japan uh, and some New Japan uh, specifically. Mm. I don't uh, obviously there was the Australian show that happened over the weekend that we uh, previewed on the weekend show as well. But I think primarily we're going to be talking the uh, the uh, the two new beginning shows. Um, don't think this uh, unless you've got much to say on the uh, on the other cards of, uh, of these shows, we can probably go straight to the main stuff. Or do you on uh, on day one? Any, uh, any big big shouts? So I saw three matches on. No, I saw two matches on day one, one of which I didn't watch on fucking principle. I'll explain in a bit, as I'm sure I said later. And then I watched three matches on day two. Okay. No, you're doing well. What did you see on day one then? Well, I don't know if you saw it. This might be my favourite match of the week. 
Mike. Oh. And I don't know if you saw it. It was for the um, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles between Catch-22, Francesco Akira and TJP versus the Just Four Guys team of Duki and Oshinobu Kanemaru. Um, oh. Don't confuse that for Just For Men, which is, mm. you know, which was basically hair dye, isn't it? Which none of these <laughs> lads need in there at all. Or maybe they do on the slide. I don't know if you saw this. I went 4.25 mm. on, on the app for it. Um, wow. It fucking tremendous. And it showed, like, it's been one of the things that we've said, like, kind of very quietly of one of the the better points of New Japan, certainly like mm. undercards as well as Catch-22, the team of TJP and Francesco Akira. It's just perfectly put together in terms of experienced veteran who can do a whole mixture of styles in TJP mm. and someone like Francesco Akira, who has the interesting, you know, fact background is that he's, he's trained in the all Japan dojo. And then mm. given the junior heavyweight belt once and then left, because let's face it, what work or what business would he be doing in all Japan? He probably would have, it would have been a bit of a struggle, frankly, but they're mm. perfect for a junior tag division, which there really isn't anybody else. And there's mm. no one else to give a, shit about these belts i don't give a shit about the best of times but here dookie and it has to be said fucking worked his ass off here he has genuinely improved he was shit when he started off he was there as a favor i think to taicha yeah he was he was dookie um but he had to speak, wouldn't he? Like, say he was a favor to Tai Chi. It's like just some rando yeah. indie guy that filled the spot. I don't even remember what it was, like a tag league or something like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's just, he, he's just been booked consistently ever since. He's like, uh, yeah. Lad, well. It's kind of like what Chase Owens did when he get booked. And then it was like, well, actually, like, mm. we fucking get rid of him for various mm. reasons. But no, Dookie has been really, really good. And here he's teamed with Kanemaru, who was fucking on it as mm. well. And it was Kanemaru, I want to say Kanemaru from 2003 facing fucking Liger in the dome type of stuff when he was like a junior prodigy. But it was just so well put together and everyone filled their role. The dynamics were spot on. There were some really great kind of near falls, double teams, and it was just like fucking tremendous stuff. I hadn't seen like a, as good a junior tag match in a while. Yeah, 4.25 mm. on that on day one. If you haven't seen it, it's it's not the kind of, the crowd as well, and I think it's helped with this, the crowd were able to make noise and they were loving mm. it. And that is a noble mm. thing for this. And they loved that junior tag match. Oh, I, I skipped over it to, to the two main events and I wish I haven't now based on uh, on what you've said there. I'm just uh, having a quick look on the grapple app to see uh, how it's done. But uh, yeah, I think when we previewed it, it didn't even uh, stand out to me as a, uh, as a match to, uh, no. to look out for. But yeah, some uh, some new boys for JP there. I heard I heard a bit of buzz. There's a bit of a vibe on it. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch this. I've got the mm. time, chance to watch it. So I thought I'm gonna, I am going to watch this one. And I just mm. found myself being drawn into it, and it was like a nice ten-minute build-up of that. And then, I mean, what mm. did you think of um, Tai Chi versus Will Osprey? I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at the uh, at the app oh. here as far as ratings go. I think that's done that's done slightly better. Oh, it's just gone here. Hang on, there we go. Magic about it, and I'll cut this uh, 
cut this all out when we uh, when we get there. Where are we? June beginning. Okay, so that did four point two two. Um, the catch twenty two tag and Tai Chi Osprey did four point three eight. So slightly uh, above there. I am still the uh, the match of the night for most people. I I go four point two five on a uh, on Osprey and uh, and Tai Chi. Um. I, I think I, I maybe I was ruined by I don't remember who I saw raving about it. Like weird as you say, you know, you saw that tag getting raved about, and it made you want to watch it. I saw people talk up, talk up this Osprey and Tai Chi thing as like an all time Tai Chi performance, and I don't think I saw anyone call it a five star match, but definitely felt it got talked up a lot. And then I went and watched it, and I was like, oh, this was a again a nice little probably four point four to four point point two five star match. I think if anything, it was more interesting. Like you know, Osprey coming out to the old song is is fucking great, um, and the commentary. You know, you know, I have my issues with it. some elements of the New Japan commentary sometimes. We're putting over the fact that you know this is a, a reboot for Osprey. This is you know Osprey you now taking New Japan on his back again. You know, the fact that we have proper crowds back is you know become a big part of Osprey's both his uh, his presence in real life on Twitter, where he's constantly been moaning for the last couple of years. Um, to you know as part of his character of no this is the proper new japan is back and therefore the proper osprey is going to be back as well um thought that was a great element to it the fact that you know it's a you know a hometown crowd for uh for taichi as well massively helped as well as far as you know having lots of the crowd on his back as well um but yeah i really liked it i like the uh you know the kawada element to it again i will criticize there uh, the commentary sometimes especially when uh, it gets a little bit uh, over dramatic for uh for the pipes some of the booth people in the booth there uh, i would say have but the the commentary was invaluable in putting over you know the fact that you know the the the, the kawada you know influence on taichi the fact that like you know he's a he's you know somebody who had a massive influence on his career and his training and Osprey, you know, using Kawada offense against him, leading to, you know, to Taichi coming back with the, uh, I'll still call it the Ganzo bomb. That's what it was called when we uh, downloaded it off Kazar in there uh, in 2002. And that's what it will, uh, will always remain for me. Remember that we used to download get what were essentially <laughs> gifts and it'd take a whole day to download it. <laughs> like download a video of a move. That's what we used to do on the internet. And uh, I'd say in our day, JP, but definitely in, uh, in my day, <laughs> But I like that little element of the story as well. It was a, it was just a nice little hard hit and match. I like the the element of Tai Chi refusing to be knocked out and Osprey, you know, having to put him away because of that. I love that killer element of Osprey where you know he's got that devastating killer move that can just you know that can end things if he if he absolutely has to pull out that level of violence. Um, so yeah, very very much uh, enjoyed it. Um, for what it was like four four point two five star range, I wouldn't go, you know any higher than that but um you know that's a very good match in itself isn't it if anything that's probably as high as of uh, outside the virtue and derby i've gone on on anything this week uh mm-hmm. very enjoyable and tai chi is no slouch you know we're past the point now you don't even need to be like oh people underrate tai chi i don't think people underrate tai chi anymore people know <gasps> what tai chi can do and this is what tai chi can do you know uh, great selling from him good hard hit and action good story good match i would say would you remember the shit tai chi osprey match that we saw in altering Oh fucking hell yeah! What about that? <laughs> but the whole problem there was Taichi was a junior, yeah. and he was wrestling as he thought a junior would wrestle, and he just wasn't suited for it. And guess what? Mm-hmm. He's very much suited to heavyweight wrestling. Oh, I, I got about that match, Jesus, yeah, yeah. Was was actually, awesome. I'd say like one and a half. I shit the bed. I mm-hmm. went, I went four stars on this, and I just thought this was, it was like a perfect kind of build 
backup, like you say, that kind of rebooting of Osprey. Osprey. I love the fact of hitting the hidden blade out of anywhere as well mm. was much more of that kind of bigger thing. Like there was a leaping hidden blade that he I did. Really worked that because it's like it's definitely a work. But like, there's no moving wrestling. I think right now that that like I buy as a shoot than that. Like it's like it, mm. it always fucks unprotected, mainly to the back. But when even when it's to the front, sometimes it's like fuck me. Like it's yeah. his timing's impeccable on that one. It is for this, and it was, and the crowd, you know, and again, the crowd loved it, which is the mm. thing to take take from this as well. So yeah, it was at this point I stopped watching the rest of the show. I watched those two matches, and I thought, <laughs> I'm very very happy. Oh, I can fill in for you then. Yeah, I watched the main events and I wish I had played. <laughs> the story's right. really... The story's good. You know, and I, I like that about New Japan, that Naito, you know, he, a bit sick of it now. A bit sick of the, oh, you know, he wasn't chosen by the fan votes, blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, it's... it's it is, Fuck's it is... sakes, you should get over it by now. <laughs> but Fucking it's his... years. <laughs> but it's his bad guy origin story, isn't it? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's... I love that they turn that negative into a positive character trait because when he refreshed himself, it's always something that's in the back of his head and it's always something you can go back to. And, you know, that obviously that was that was hammered home here. The fact that, you know, Shoto Umino looked up to Naito and, you know, looked up to him specifically that previous, you know, that's the reason it came up, that previous version of him. Um, what was it, the Stardust? Warrior, whatever the fuck his name was. Stardust, Stardust Genius. Genius. Um, I remember that when him and uh, him and Bushi used to team, team a lot, a couple of uh, cracking-looking lads they were uh, back in the day, them too. Um, but he looked... It, I get that, and I get that's the story you want to tell. I'm not someone who's bothered about the Red Shoes ref and the matches stuff, because it's just an extra thing you can use to tell stories in wrestling. Mm. I know it wouldn't happen in real sports. I'm sure you know, the Premier League stops fucking, you know, Everton fans refereeing Everton matches or Arsenal fans wrestling, refereeing Arsenal matches or Liverpool fans refereeing Everton matches. You think if banging was... on about it again. <laughs> yeah, if this was a legitimate sport, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I've been very kind on the New Japan commentary today. It was relevant to the story. It's relevant mm. to what's happening. And Naito does, you know push red shoes more um, when he's in there with him. That said, <laughs> Shotaro Miller just hasn't got it. <laughs> he just, I mean, not based on this match. Uh, maybe he does overall. I wouldn't write him off. I'm a, we didn't even write off um, um, what you call it, um, Bronson Rexstein or whatever his real name is. We didn't <sighs> write him off. But, you know, in a similar vein, I wouldn't 100% write him off, but there was no evidence in this match that he's going to be the next big thing. It was plodding. It was slow. Um, it felt like they got lost at points. It was just bad, <laughs> really. Or well, bad for a New Japan main event. You know, a, New, a bad New Japan main event is still, you know, it's, it's three stars as bad as it can be, um, probably. Um, you know, maybe 2.75 to three stars. But yeah, Shotaro looked out of his depth um he was he was doing stuff in this match with no real purpose behind it and mm. he felt dwarfed by it and I, maybe that's a story they're going to come back to one day where it's like y'all remember when he had his matches with naito and it was all too soon for him but like naito he came back with a new persona and he became this and he became that maybe that's the long-term story but you know <laughs> i'm not sure if uh Putting a bad match on on purpose is uh, is like is any kind of genius storytelling. We might be overthinking things here, lads, if that is the plan. Um, and the crowd wasn't into him either. That was the other thing. Crowd didn't buy it. Just didn't buy it. Naito was the star. He was some young pup who was in there with Naito. It just didn't work. It just really didn't work. 
I can imagine that was the case. I saw the I saw the time. I saw who was involved, and I went night. You were the waste of your time. I honestly was gonna I was gonna switch to day two, and I was making food. Like and I, it was just it was like it was just about to come out the oven, and this match was about to start. And I was like, I'll leave it on rather than mess around with Chromecast. I'll watch it. Regret it. Wasted half an hour. Um, should have skipped to, to day two earlier. Here are my three lines of notes on this. First one, didn't watch. Second, saw 32 minutes and went, fuck that. Third one, I imagined a 30-second version of this that probably covers everything that happened in the match. Yeah. Load of yeah. stalling. Naito selling a bit of knee stuff. That normally yeah. happened. Comes back, hits Destino. Can hear Destino endlessly yeah. in there. Generally, kind of muted silence. Was oh, that the Noah comment? That sounded like Noah comment. Uh, <laughs> the the release, the release, the crack and stuff is bollocks. Now it's absolute dog shit. On uh, okay. and I was going to say in terms of the the commentary team for it, like with the red shoe, shoes, Uno. This is the problem with Charlton. You can know facts with it. What he doesn't get is the subtlety that you kind of need to be telling this story instead of trying to hit you over the hammer of this. He's refereeing his son. Yes, dickhead. He did another can... one of his shit dramatic entrance calls on, on I don't know if it was this or the Osprey match now, but I, I think I made me mute it. I realise. <laughs> I can't hear him pretend to be. No, no. Pretend it's... to have the pipes to do something emotive. Just give us the facts, point, Dexter, and shut up. There, like, you know. there are times I look at the New Japan commentary and I think, okay, Kevin Kelly is, is you know, at times feels like he should be going on to play-by-play, which is what he did at Forbidden Door. I think he was mm-hmm. like very good at that. With Chris Charlton in there, the thing I, the person I realize missed someone like Rocky Romero. Do you know why? Mm. Well, he talks just like a grown up, like the whole yeah. time. There isn't like this over fucking egging and over hamming it up, is really what it is. Charlton and, should be the guy in their ear giving them facts. And yeah. it should be the guy sat in the booth if there's a way of doing it as the third man who provides the translations. And don't get me wrong, there were absolutely things that, that I liked about his commentary over the two nights. Again, putting over mm-hmm. um, you know, putting up putting over, you know, the 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 history, the you know, the Tai Chi stuff and the Osprey stuff. Having him there to do that is useful. But there's a way yeah. of doing it. <laughs> there's, there's a, a way, way of doing, doing it, it where he's giving you facts rather than trying to give you forced emotion, which he's just not good at. And no one wants to admit he's not good at because he's far too yeah. part of our bubble. But let's not go through that again. Um, <laughs> that's enough on that. Night two. What did you see in night two, JP? What did you uh, enjoy? Night two, night I watched two? The, the three big matches. I mean, I watched the tag team title match between Bishamon and TMDK. Did you see that at all? Yeah, I like TMDK. I like the the, mm. the kind of renewed kind of, you know, energy they've got being associated with Zach, but I didn't think the match was up to much. I haven't got really much uh, much of saying. I, and I also like Bushimon, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll, mm. I'll rail on Yoshihashi and Goto. But as a sort of little tag team in a, in a tag division that's got about three teams, um, they're fine. You know, they're fine. Uh, they're fine place all the tag champions as long as someone more exciting is uh, coming along the uh, the road to, uh, to face them and take the belts off them. If they are what we would think of, going back to kind of classic stereotypes, as your homegrown Japanese native tag team to always mm-hmm. kind of go back to on as an old faith. And you can do a lot worse than them. Mm-hmm. Is a, It gives a use for both of them. It gives them both mm-hmm. a place and a reason to exist there, which has been the problem with Goto and Yoshihashi for years, just floating around. It's like, well, you could do what bookers used to do back in the day and put them in a fucking tag team. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. rocket science to work that out. And TMDK mm-hmm. do add something different into mm-hmm. a mix. Give me them or give me Gorillas of Destiny I kind of know who I want to see more regularly in matches. And I think that mm. they will 
get better though. Like they were good experiencing. There's a story for them to tell with them being in there in, in Noah as well. And I, I went three and a half stars. I mean, the main point is solid tag match that fulfilled its purpose. It was third from the top on like the second night of a two day big show tour. Like really, what was it ever going to be? Now I've said about a catch, you know, the junior tag match being great on there. I had no expectation mm. of this, but I thought it was fine. Yeah. Hard hitting, solid Bishop on tag. Not more, much yeah. more to say on that. What I do have a lot more to say on uh, is actually about Tomohiro Ishii. Um, you were excited for this one with the uh, the 15 minute uh, time mm. limit on it. Um, I, I thought this was really strong. I'd go four to 4.25 um, on this one. Yeah, the cat has done a run in here. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> sorry, I'll, I'll get rid of her. But, um, no Benji yeah. running, sat in there, but did want to piss earlier on. So. She's Pairing down the mic, apologies to her, to all the listeners. Uh, but yeah, she wants feeding. <laughs> what was I going to say? Zach Saberishi, yeah, very good, JP. Um, mm. very good. Yeah, I I think I went four stars on this. I ummed and ahed between oh. 4.25. He's got new theme music, although he was mm. going up to the commentary after them that he will be getting a techno release in there. He was like, <laughs> having a full sale conversation with Kevin Kelly at that point. I did think with this look, he just looks like a... He looks like he should be the bad guy off an Amazon Prime thriller, really. That bleach blonde hair. That's what it is. Or some it's, sort of action film set in Europe. It's all like a New York action film where the baddies are like generic European guys who might be from yeah. Germany, they might be Polish, who knows. Um, yeah, I, I love that it's um, it's given him... I don't know he just feels fresh right now, Zach, doesn't he? Like the new look mm-hmm. and the the new the new group and stuff. Um, you'd like to see them. I know he, he said that about you know bad dude Tito is going to stick around, but he needs to uh, get a more what you say uh, English or uh, Aussie type name. And bad lad Tito, I think, is the uh, lead candidate uh, for that one. <laughs> bad, it does, bad bloke Tito. Bad bloke Tito. There you go. It needs it needs a bit. I don't know. It just, just feel like a B group, doesn't it? And you want. I'd love Zach to be in charge of like a proper, proper New Japan unit. Um, but they are fun, you know. Let, let's see how, mm. how, how that develops. I think I just enjoyed the fact that it was 15 minutes and they just went balls to the wall. Like it was just let's make use of every second in these 15 minutes, which included Ishii pulling out a fucking code red. <laughs> which oh. <laughs> I don't know what I said. This was a daily update. I said, you know, I know James hated that, but uh whatever. I enjoyed it. Um but you know fine define um it was like a like like a big arm bar he did in, in the match as well. Um very mm. much or knee bar wasn't it uh, very much enjoyed as well. Um new stuff from Ishii um and yeah just a, a match where the 15 minute time a bit played into the way they both wrestled, you know, through, you know, caution to the wind and just and went for it. And yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. 15 minute time limit works absolutely perfectly for this as well. Like I was, mm. I, you know, I thought the first 10 minutes were good and mm. it, like you say, worked at a real pace, but those last five minutes in particular, because the thing is, these guys are so good. Those mm. quick reversals and transitions, they can pull that shit off better than most. Plus, you've also got like, the ring announcer counting down to like one minute relay. And I think he won with like 30 seconds left. It was like, mm. it was not long after it had gone to a minute and he basically reversed the brain bust into, into the Zack driver. Like, I just thought this is the kind of thing that you put on second from the top. It's mm. quick enough that it doesn't burn out the crowd, but they're going to be into it. And mm. it worked so well for this. I mean, I kind of went from this title had to be on Ren Narita to, Fuck it, we should just leave leave it on Zach for the guts of a year. Mm. Really, 
because I think it'll do him good as much as anything. Just mm. being able, just working at that quicker pace tends, mm. you know, because remember there was a point in time we would watch a Zach Sager junior match and we'd just say, this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's just fucking excess. It's like 40 minutes and you can easily cut out 20 minutes where you just stop doing wrestling, walk around the ring and, to- and fix your wrists. For wrists. We're enough about the Marty match. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone in Brit Raz's fucking uh, scar, <laughs> scar. The first, the first show we ever reviewed on the uh, on the original yeah. spotlight and the original BWE. Um, yeah, good, but it, good few weeks up. But yeah, really good. I thought it was like a, a a really really good match that showcased the best of what you want this um, what you want this title to be. Definitely. What do you think of the main events? I uh, I ran out of time before tonight, but I didn't feel like I missed much. I went three point seven five. I actually mm-hmm. quite like Yo in his own weird way, simply because they haven't fucked around with him. Mm. He's not turned out in some weird fucking leather f- fucking fetishist like show as. <laughs> Felt like you're fancy and, booking him there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you actually want him to be like. And he's not. He's not a fucking wizard monk. Or have a daft shit. <laughs> He's a bloke who wears all black, basically, yeah. who is the junior wrestler in chaos now. Mm. So that's what he is. And in some ways, I was just quite grateful. Just went, ah, oh, I know he's just a bloke, but fuck me. It's better that than somebody fucking acting like a daft cunt, like Master Watto. Like, mm. I just can't really be dealing with that. So even though he has improved as well. And I thought it was good. I was a bit surprised why Hiromu appeared to have a load of fucking dildos strapped to mm. his jacket, um, <laughs> which I don't quite get what that is with big eyes at the end of them, which is the stuff to stuff of nightmares. Um, but I thought it was, it was a good, I thought it was a good match and mm. you know, you still come away from it though. I came away from it thinking Hiromu, what could have been? Cause it mm. does feel like that ship has definitely sailed. There was a point where I swear to God, like I felt like five years ago, he was one of the hottest wrestlers in the world. And it was like, yeah, I know he's on the small side. You need to put him. think about putting him into that fucking heavyweight mix. And you thought they were going to do it around the New Japan Cup, and they haven't. So ultimately, Yo gained something. Hiromu gained nothing. Him having mm-hmm. the title. It's, I don't know if it's going to really get people over. If that's he's had the Kushida career trajectory, hasn't he? They've just done the same thing that, that happened with him, hitting his head on that yeah. ceiling. And he'll be missing in America soon as well. Like, uh, like I'm saying, how do you do the Daryl stuff anymore? I can mm. say he's much more interested in the dildos, and I don't know. Mm. Well, I do. Know. That was always a bad move. I know it was. It was easy for us as you know. Well, we want New Japan to be a certain thing, men to to hate it. That was so over with kids. Women, you know, I can say that as you know, but there's a doubt that knocks around my household. Like it, yeah, that was I think that was a bad move, but it wouldn't have mattered long term because he is what he is and he is where he is. Um but uh yeah, I suppose um unless you've got anything else on on New Japan. Um nothing else on New Japan you watched, uh, this I, weekend, JP. You missed oh, it on the preview show. It's fucking pay-per-view as well for stardom. I, I did want to say one last thing on the New Japan stuff, because obviously this weekend with Matt, you're going to be previewing the mm. uh, the, la- the bigger the biggest of the New Japan shows, the one that's got Shingo Okada on there as well. Mm. And it just made me think, imagine if you got rid of the bullshit multi-mans, you had one card. Mm. A fucking great show. There is the potential for it, but these things are cannibalized to the point where they're split across three shows. And, you, and and you're going in there going, right, I'm going to at least skip to two hours in. 
because I don't need mm. to see any of this shit beforehand. It doesn't fucking mean anything. Possibly the interval is of more interest than the entire first half of a show because mm. it's just fucking units facing each other, um, mm. which isn't what you got a stardom supreme fight on there mm. as well. Now I've only watched the main event because it was mm. it was the it was the big match on there. It was Julia's first title defense since winning against Shuri. And it was up against our old rival, as you know, Suzu Suzuki, which, mm. and this is where I, I channeled the great Karen, uh, Karen Peterson um, here at this point. And she's got obviously on, on post, she's got a detailed show report on, on here as well, talking about the idea of they were best mates. They used to train together in ice ribbon. Um, and then Julia left. It was all very kind of, you know, leaving one dojo to go and work for stardom. And then, Susie Suzuki and the whole prominence faction came in. In the um, five-star Grand Prix, they had a real, they had a draw, which was built on the idea of an absolute war. And I thought that's what I was going to get here, but I really didn't. Mm. Now, Karen is obviously well up onto this and is the go-to person. If you want to know anything about stardom, obviously. Um, and she explains the kind of, you know, the reasons for why they've kind of moved past the kind of real animosity stage. But in some ways for me, dipping in and out, I would have liked to have seen more of the animosity because it felt like a very good match mm. with some good wrestling, but mm. it's still more on the performative side rather than a war between two people who've got a long history against each other as well. And the crowd were chanting for Suzu Suzuki a bit towards the end. And Julia's got new music and a kind of newer look and mm-hmm. everything else. And it's going to be the year of her. So we're going to, you know, see exactly how far they're, they're going to be pushing it here. What I would say is the fucking state of the referee in here, there were some two counts that were frankly three. Mm. Yeah. And I honestly thought they can chant in this crowd now. And I don't think they're going to go full football and start chanting fucking abuse to the referee. But my God, he needed a fucking telling off. Some of them were fucking shocking. Absolutely shocking. Um, So I went 3.75 on this. I've seen a lot higher stuff, sort of the 4, 4.25 range. It didn't get the level of animosity that I wanted. It it was a good match. Don't get me wrong. Julie is excellent. But it wasn't the kind of gripping war that I thought it was going to be. And probably that slightly threw me off. Fair enough. Do you see anything else from the show? No, nothing else on the show from there. I know um, uh, Saya Kimitani retained her title in there as well, but no real other ideas. Andy asked in the chat about the AAA show. Didn't see it. Close to it. Didn't steal it. But... Couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> Did Vampiro steal the show? That's the important question in there with the in the other Raider Reyes. Yes, Vampiro oh. was on the Raider Reyes show. Did he turn up? I wish I'd that seen was, it. <laughs> that's the bigger question, isn't it? Did he yeah. fucking turn up? That's a big, Did, big if. Did he have a better uh, better offer? Um, <laughs> we'll see. Oh uh, well. You see anything else, mate? Anything else you want to want to throw in before we go? Um, I think yeah. that's pretty much it. Between that Is and the weak? Vonnet. List loads of Von Eric stuff. Yeah, it was fucking. Mm. It was a busy week this week. I'd actually say it was a good week for individual matches. If there's stuff you mm. wanted to watch this week, there's pretty much a bit of everything. Yeah, we don't do really a match of the week stuff in there, but then on on a week where we would have different ones on there, but you could argue three or four. It was like mm. a good week if you wanted to see some like individual matches that you thought were interesting, and regardless of the kind of styles that you like, there would always be something there for you. 
Definitely, yeah. It's a bit of a, uh, you know, hitting a, hit a lot of different uh, places and, uh, and areas tonight. Uh, I even watched the Grammys this weekend, JP. I'll talk about that in the post show. Um, but yeah, lots of uh, lots of wrestling at home for us uh, us this week. But yeah, other than that, like like we said, uh, the very top of the show, and you will have heard in the uh, the little insert. Obviously, Gareth made his uh, his dealer's choice pick. So yeah, we're going to be spending the uh, the rest of the week like, watching a lot of uh, Chris Jericho in uh, in WCW in the in the nineties. Uh, JP, you're away this weekend, aren't you? So we me and Matthew will be doing the uh, the weekend show. On Greece, would, is it Rome? Rome, sorry, yeah, my, yeah. Uh, yeah, girlfriend's birthday party. So, birthday party, I'm a party in fucking Rome, going to Rome. She's always wanted <laughs> to go. Um, obviously, I get to do the whole lapsed Catholic type thing over there. So, we're off there on like first thing on like Friday morning, flying mm-hmm. out from Birmingham, um, and then back on Monday. So, it's going to be like a mad kind of weekend. So, looking forward to that. Looking forward to listening to the weekend show. I don't know when I'll I'll sneak that in listening, walking around the Coliseum as you two talk NWA Nuff said. <laughs> well, we'll have you back after that. JP Travers, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Matty preview in NWA. That should be a that should be a good laugh. Um, but yeah, we'll obviously we'll have you back uh, obviously after that to uh, to talk mm. uh, the very best in it in Jericho and WCW, and then yeah, we'll get you back for uh, for spotlight next week. But other than that, I suppose that's it um, for the show. We're just going to go to our our post show now with uh, with our patrons as we uh, we name the show and do all our, that fun stuff. But well, for podcast listeners, that's your lot. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll catch you again. Next week. Bye. See ya. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.